Hey, thanks again for tuning in to the Conversation Podcast here at McCurdy's Comedy Theater. We are in the third week of November, and this week we had two special appearances, two special events. We had Diane Ford on Wednesday and Thursday. She was filming a special, and we also had Sean Wayans of the Wayans Brothers. He was on Friday and Saturday. All these guys had great shows, so we actually had to skip the podcast this week. So I'm actually bringing you a podcast that we did way back in June with our headliner, Daryl Lennox a true legend of the game. He has been doing it forever. He's been on Conan, Comedy Central, What the Fuck with Mark Marin, and uh, he knows it all. He, I got to talk with him, and he has so much insight to the game. And if you are into comedy, or you want to do comedy, or you're doing comedy, I would highly suggest you listen to this podcast, because he really has a lot of great notes just to help you elevate your game, honestly. We also had... Our uh, feature comic of that week, Chris Griffin, he is from Vancouver, Canada, and he is a very, very good storyteller. Uh, He tells some of the best stories I've heard on stage, and he actually has a lot of insight on how you do tell a story. He's got a a lot of great tips that a lot of you uh, up-and-coming comics could probably use, and I love talking to this guy. It was a ball hanging out with both these guys. We also had Gino Williams as a special guest. Uh, He's been on plenty of the podcast. Y'all are familiar with him. If you know anything about McCurdy's, you know Gino the Garbage Man. Uh, We got to talk a lot with him. Him and Daryl got into all different types of stuff about basketball and how to elevate your game and the comedy game and all this stuff. And I think you guys are really going to enjoy this one. I had a blast talking to these guys. And uh, yeah, here it is. Give it up for Daryl Lennox, Chris Griffin, and Gino Williams. Welcome to the conversation. <laughs> so we're hot. We're hot. We're hot. All right. Uh, Curtis Comedy Theater, the conversation. We're in the uh, back green room where the comics hang out. And uh, of course, again, this is as much as we can just capture the natural conversation during the course of the show tonight that'll be going on, uh, you know, with mics in our faces. Uh, that's what we're trying to do. And uh, tonight our headliner is Daryl Lennox. Daryl is right over here. I'm gonna get the mic a little closer. Oh, to okay, thank you. So they can just hear your voice. All right. How's that? Sound all right, Mike? Yeah. Oh, good. yeah, you sound oh, great. Sound good. good. Thank you. And then our our feature act's Chris Griffin. Uh, he's gone out to get beer and tequila. That's what for I Daryl. That's my pre-show <laughs> ritual. <laughs> you know, LeBron would throw that dust in the air. Before the game. <laughs> that's your, that's your that's dust in the air. Beer in the shot. Throw that dust in the air. That's pretty awesome, man. <laughs> and that's the voice of Eugene Williams. Jean know the garbage man uh, yeah. who was uh, one of our great comics that lives right here in Sarasota how's and, your game uh, been going how's your comedy game been going man oh man it's been going pretty good man yeah. I've I, I really been enjoying it you know have you felt any uh I'll give you an example I'll describe what I mean the way I, so you can answer, answer my question better it's like so I played point guard and so I knew how to get the ball where everybody liked and stuff so when I do my comedy I think about, okay, what's going to be the best way for me to put it where they can get it? They don't know that I know where I want them to be, so I have to lead them in that direction, like yeah. running to one. Can you figure out how you do in a comedy what you did in basketball? Uh, I think I done started to figure it out pretty good. You know, yeah. I, I, I think I 
You know, I lead I lead them with my with my actions, the way the way I handle myself on the stage. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? The the certain movements, the certain eye contacts, a lot of things I do on the stage animated. Gotcha. It's a, it's my way of right. point guarding the thing all the way through. Sure. Sure. So you choir director fun. too? Huh? You choir director too? Uh, a little bit. Little bit. I little never bit. heard you sing. Little bit. You little direct bit. a choir. That's the way you described it. That put made you direct a choir. You gotta they don't, you, they, you can sing, but you still try to, you got to point to who's going to be singing and who's not going to be singing. You still got to leave, right? You be pointing at me not to sing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Chris, come on over. Come on over. Yeah. Chris Griffin from Vancouver is our feature act this week with Daryl. He's been in before. So sit here and talk for just a second so they hear your voice. Okay. All right. Say hello. Hey, everyone. All What's right. up, guys? Chris. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> how about you, Chris? You play football or you play basketball? I play both, yep. but I was better at football. So, I was asking Gino, if you could tell by the way you do comic, there's any kind of corollary stuff the way you play football. Yeah. I mean, I was just wild out at football, like, yep. I'm on stage. Like, special <laughs> yeah. teams. Head do. first. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Special that's, teams. That's, special <laughs> teams. Like, tell me the way you do comedy. That's the same way. Yeah. <laughs> Shit yeah. talking. Yeah. 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 To be honest, you let off the same amount of energy, though. It seems like when you're on stage, they don't realize it, but you let off a lot of energy on that stage. You know what I mean? A lot of uh, when you come off that stage, it's like you've been playing in the game. You yeah, know? and it's like you had a good game or a bad yeah. game yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. I always, I still dream basketball dreams. Even when I'm thinking when I'm doing business or comedy or whatever. I still feel like, ooh, I was way above the rim on that one. Like, all my analogy <laughs> is all basketball. <laughs> it's crazy. I haven't played in 30 years, but I still feel basketball is always the way that I get things done in my mind. You still love it. You still love the game. Guess what I, you know, it's the two things I dedicated my life to was comedy and basketball. So hey, man. basketball was the first half, and then comedy took over then. Hey, that's, so. how, it's, that's how it is. That's mm-hmm. a good life. Yeah, man. That's a real good life. Yeah. It's different, too. Sometimes when I'll, uh, like when I play McCurdy's, you know, it's like a, this is like an ACC room. Yeah, you know I mean, as opposed to some of them rooms out there, like, all right, we in the we in the Mac too. <laughs> Just, these little rat ass gems. Yeah, but, yeah. Because you won't, you will, you will be asked, you will not be asked back if you don't do right here. Yeah. In the best clubs, they'll thank you like you like you like you got standing ovations, but yeah. you know you ain't never coming back, man. <laughs> yeah. That's why I gotta be the ACC here. You gotta you gotta, you gotta bring it when you, you come bring here. Bring it. Oh yeah. yeah. So, I feel like that as well. You yeah, gotta bring man. it when you come here. You don't you don't you know you never know because they will never tell you. Because they never tell you when you did bad. Yeah. They always say you clap the hand. You that was a great great set. week. That was when you hit that week. You gotta know. You gotta have some feeling. Yes, yeah, a lot of people don't. Yeah, no. <laughs> a lot of people don't. Yeah. I believe they know. They just they don't show it in front of us. Once uh-huh. they get in that car, they be like yeah. crying. Yeah, <laughs> I, I ain't doing good. Enough. Yeah. yeah uh, it's that feeling. So, Mike, how the podcast been going for you? Pretty good, man. I'm just sit here and monitor sound and try to keep y'all talking, basically. That's good. I saw your set last night. It was pretty great, man. At the open mic? Yeah, I feel like I did terrible. No, you did fantastic. Yeah, it was like a wild out room and you kind of calmed them down and then got them on. I thought you left a little meat on the bone when you started talking about you as native 
American yeah. and did LSD. That seemed like that might, <laughs> that might cancel each other out. Don't <laughs> <laughs> natives have a natural LSD inside of them anyway? Yeah, it's always just flowing through our blood. So yeah. I thought well, that might cancel each other out. <laughs> I thought that would be funny. So you did LSD and then just got extra crispy white or something. Then it was like, let me do my taxes. <laughs> I went on a spirit walk, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. crazy. Just did something absolute opposite of what people expect native uh, culture to do. I was weird. I was like, this dude just did Native and LSD. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I'm scared of that kind of stuff. I LSD. Never did yeah, I never did. Psychedelic. I think that's a the, that's like the natural reaction you're supposed to get. Like, yeah. the, it's scary. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. it's it is it is what it is. I've done it a few times, but oh man. It's a good time, but if you yeah. listen to the story, it wasn't good. Like, <laughs> you don't you don't take acid at three o'clock in the morning and then trip till three o'clock in the afternoon. Yes, <laughs> I've done that. Oh, when you've man. already been up for twelve hours, like it's a wow. terrible idea. Yeah. Wow. Like, just imagine being up for like, 30 hours straight, basically. Uh, yeah. yeah. Dude, I got limb biasitis. I'm scared to do anything because of limb bias. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I really am. Yeah, I, that's, that scares the hell out of me all the time. Yeah, yeah I want to go to Peru, do ayahuasca, I think. Yeah. It's legal there, right? Is that? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they just have it. <laughs> I don't even know if there's laws. Yeah, you just go in the jungle. But You can do that in Vancouver at the YMCA. You know that, don't you? Yeah. But I want to do the whole thing. Oh, okay. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true, though. You can. Yeah. Damon did it at the YMCA. Who is not that girl? Yeah, the girl. Yeah. That girl did. At the YMCA? Yeah. 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 They do ayahuasca at the YMCA? Yeah, they rented out. Let's just get wild. It's Vancouver, baby. You better come up there. You better come up there, Chief LSD. <laughs> 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 that sounds like the place to be, Vancouver. Yeah, I love it so much, man. I really do. How's the comedy scene up there? I've never actually been up there. You know what? It was. Uh, I think it's about to go to another level. It used to be. It used to be on point. Uh, yeah. Right in the nineties, because everybody was doing good in the nineties, but it used to be real big in the nineties, and now I think it's a surge is about to come up. Because yeah. right on that with a West Coast pipeline, you got the film and TV industry is big up there too. Yeah. So you get all the San Francisco, L.A. cats all coming through. But it's getting nice. Like, Ray Romano just popped in the Yuck Yucks last week. And did really? Song, just in town oh, wow. doing a movie or something. Just That's came good. In. And then the open mic scene right now is good. Like, the, you know, really a couple good. shows a night. So I think that wave's going to come once those guys yep. get you can get shape, seven. Yeah. You can get seven. You can get seven nights. Yeah. yeah. Easy, yeah. 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 yeah, you just don't see that here. It's right. not. It's not. It's, even in Tampa, it's right. still hard to get up that many times in, in one yeah. week. You say seven nights? Seven nights. Oh, yep. wow. This time, I don't want this to sound crazy, but I never feel like this is like a real ambitious place, the state of Florida, besides Oh, <laughs> hell no. You know what I mean? I'm people like, oh, man, I got to go there and make it, except for nah. like sports and stuff. And obviously, Les is killing it, but it just seems like people cool with just, yeah. you know. <laughs> just existing. Just, just, yeah, yeah. yeah that's, well, that's where ambition, like, goes to, to stop because, like, you're retired most, you know what I mean? Like, right, yeah. Right, so right. it's a retirement state, and this yeah, is a Florida, retirement Florida town. Florida where they come to retire. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah, funny you know. when you ask any audience member, like, what do you do for a living? And they're like, nothing. Uh, yeah. Nothing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like yeah nothing. All your ambitions is up north, and yeah. then you come down here just to get away. Yeah. I can only do little bits at a time, then I start to get real uncomfortable. I feel like I'm too far away from everything. I feel like I'm always got to make moves. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah. I just get, I get real uncomfortable, and I'll be out here too long. Yeah, yeah, all they do is golf. And like, yeah. you're right. You'll be like, what, what do you do? And they're like, uh, I don't do anything. Like, what did you do? Like, I don't remember. Yeah, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's so long like, ago. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, um, I know, but it's I don't I like the people here, but yeah, I think yeah, Florida's like Vegas for me. I can't if I did more than five days, it'd yeah, be too much. I yeah. feel 
Yeah. Unless I was relaxing, but I really think they put. So I think because the tap water is so nasty. Swamp water. Shower. I'm like, am I getting cleaner? Because tap water is so nasty. That adds to the alcohol abuse. Because I be getting woke out in alcohol <laughs> here. Yeah. They put some of that water in the in the alcohol because this seems like that don't be regular alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I'm know. serious. I don't know what they use, man. man. I don't know what they use. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what's over, but yeah, I get towed down when I'm out here, boy. Yeah, it shouldn't be brewed in Florida. Like nothing should be brewed in Florida. <laughs> yeah. oh, I know, even like the like the Pepsi or Coke taste. Like you can just be, uh, you're like, man, what is this? You're yeah, like, taste that water. It's yeah. definitely different, man. It's definitely different. Yeah. yeah. Except the water McCurdy's, that's the best goddamn water you ever gonna taste. <laughs> yeah. That's how you get rebooked, boys. Yeah. <laughs> Mountain fresh water. It's filtered. It's all. It's yeah. great. <laughs> It's just Fiji from the taps. It's great. Oh. It's fantastic. Uh, I don't know. Well, have you seen the numbers tonight? Uh, no, but I saw them for Saturday. Saturday yeah. looks good. Yeah. And uh, Friday looks pretty good, too. So Yeah. When I walked through, it was, people, it was pretty busy. So. Yeah, cool. Thursdays do good here. I don't know. I think it's because <laughs> like, everybody comes out almost like the pre-weekend. Like, they're pre-gaming mm-hmm. for the weekend. Yeah. Like, it's weird. Like you said, it's retirement time, so like they're coming out to get their I think, feet I think sweat. I think the Thursdays got better here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. After the move. Yeah. Right. Once once they moved mm-hmm. off of that other area. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Everything went up a notch over here. You know, yeah. that other area you couldn't get too many people. It's hard to get that chest cashing crowd. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to get them out there. Come out the Amscot. That check, that check Amscot cashing numbers squad or that Goodwill, <laughs> that Goodwill crew. You know, <laughs> catch that Goodwill crew coming to get the Goodwill off Layaway. Yeah. You know what I mean? So down here, you catch a lot of the uh, the people off the off the um, Main Street. You know, catch yeah. them all coming in. You know, hanging out. They all at the um, different restaurants and stuff like that so mm-hmm. you got any comedy goals you know uh it might sound it might sound crazy but ever since i got into comedy my main goal is to make it to the spotlight but i want to make it to the spotlight and stay in that spotlight i want to i want to do um i want to be on the stage as as long as i can you know what i mean i don't really want to you know how some comedians can get real big and, and they they transfer over and they start being actors and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. My ambition, is, my, my, my pride is I just want to be on the stage. You know what I mean? I just want to be on the stage, you know, and that's my, my biggest ambition is to go as far as God to let me go, you know, because he's the one who gave me the gift. So mm-hmm. I love comedy and as high as it takes me, no matter how, how how high it takes me, mm-hmm. I still want to be in that spotlight on the stage. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? That's yeah. that's that's my that's my goal. I that's my know, real I goal. What you're what about you, Chris Griffin? Want to get that half hour next? Yeah. Get that together. Yeah. I just uh. I mean, I think it's similar. Yeah. I want to. <clears throat> I want to just be somebody people come to see. You know, where they're like, I want to see this show, and I think that's uh. I mean, Lennox is trying to make some moves up in Canada because we have a big brand up there, Yuck Yucks. Good, good brand, but they, they've always put the, the name first. Where I think the comedy games kind of changed, at least now with social media and stuff, where you can actually, you know, it's about the comics now. So and they can get a following and they can draw crowds and stuff. So, yeah, I think I think that'll be good. This is your thirtieth year, D. What's what's your ambitions, man? 
I remember when I was I was torn because uh, I was transferring out of the UW. I didn't know where I was gonna go, and then I was in this nightclub in Seattle. I used to play in the pro ams with all these dudes. So it was Gary Payton's uh, rookie year. So I think he came in. And I, yeah, this was '90, and I started '80, so it was my his rookie year, I think it was. And so I was standing next to him, Derek McKee, Olden Polonies at this club <laughs> called the Hollywood Underground. And uh, I did like five sets, and the last one I bombed real bad, <laughs> and I was like, "Oh man!" So this coach was trying to get me to make a commitment, and then uh, I went to the Hollywood Underground trying to figure stuff out. And Gary Payton had that fade and a big old chain. This girl came up to him. He says, "Big old long thing." He said, "My name is Gary Payton. I make three million dollars a year. I ain't ready to get married, but I'll buy you a drink." And that girl, just, that girl just stood there. She didn't move. Yeah. And I was like, man, and it really bothered me because I thought, man, these dudes ain't healing cancer. They just playing ball. Yeah. And I heard that voice in my head go, you know, that's what you wanted to be, right? And then that's when I realized that I probably could be – I think I had NBA-level skill set basketball-wise, but in comedy I felt like I could be – like I felt like I was a six-foot-eight sixth grader. If I learned how to play comedy right way, I right. feel like I could do it for the rest of my life. And so that's how I dedicated to. And now I'm at this place where I'm gonna do one more special, I'm gonna do one more talk show, one more album, and then I really want to try to set people off. Like I really want to go into that, show people. I want to change the industry a lot. I want to be one of those dudes that do that. So that's why I'm trying to pull this Yuckus deal off because I really, I really care about the game because it's given me everything, and I just don't think it's being treated very well. You know, there's only a handful of Les McCurdy's out there. You know when people are doing it right. Yeah. There's just very few people that are doing it right. Yeah, it's rare when you run into it. It's just not supposed to be like that. So I no. feel like I could do that from having been on both sides of the ball, on the mic, and now learning this business stuff. So that's my really big goal. That's so a, you, so that's a good goal to have, man. That's pretty awesome. So yeah. when you say change the game, what do you mean by when you say change the game? So... Literally, you know, I've been for three years. I've been trying to put together a deal to acquire the Yuck Yucks Comedy Club franchise in Canada. It's right. like got 15 of them. I want to try to expand those out here if I can in the states as well. But it starts in the clubs. So, you know, you have a bunch of great clubs like this one, and then the comics will want to aspire to work here. And then you treat the comics like they got talent, and you help them nurture their talents. Most people don't know how to showcase. The reason why. You see the same people at the Jester Laugh Festival in Montreal and see the same people getting the same talk shows. Yeah. Nobody taught people how to do that. Nobody taught to teach you how to showcase. Nobody taught you how to prepare for having a real career in this thing. Right. So you have some lesser known clubs. Well, they people know them, but, but they're not run very well. And so they just treat you, you know, like minor leagues. And I feel like this is a major league industry. Like you think what comedy has done. It's generated billions of dollars through his talent. Billions. And it all started in the clubs. But the clubs is just so old and I don't care, man. You know, send me a picture. Or yeah, it's, it's, I know. You know, it's yeah, just so old. Yeah. It, seemed yeah. like it's, it seemed like it's so systematic. You know and what I mean? it's an old system. Yeah, it seemed like it's so systematic. Because, yeah. you know, when I talk to a lot of the guys and they always say, um, oh, Gino, what? Man, I want to get you here. I want to see you here. 
let's go try this right here you know what i mean and then when i research it on my own you know it always sounds like like i said it sounds systematic you know what i mean it's like oh like like you just said send your resume send your picture yeah. we'll get back we'll we'll get back with you and stuff like that yes. it's not like it's not like they're ambitious enough to say okay let me see what this kid is about and then give you a call back and yeah i really like what i seen you know i, I want to have you in so it's it's kind of like like the way you're trying to bring it to change the game it mm. sounds like you already know the ins and outs and yeah. the do's and the don'ts 30 years yeah. you know what i mean and i think so, the big difference is that you care like because right. a lot of clubs that aren't run well just because they just don't care but then you know like mccurdy's run because less gives a shit like he actually he yeah. a business he cares a lot like he, there's too many bar managers trying to run comedy yeah, right. there's not or enough just comedians trying to run comedy. Right. Like, like Les right. was a comedian. Like he, right. So he knows he how hit to the do. road. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he knew how to. He knew how, he knew it from both sides. And that's right. Right. Yeah. So she got to yeah. have that balance. And then you get a lot of people. Like I had this dude. Man, this dude was a boys. We was big name dude. We was boys. But man, he shit all over me about trying to pull this deal off. He he said, man, you, you must have lost your way, and uh, you must not. Of a cop's things you want to comment your life that you want to do this sort of thing, and if he was around, I would have whooped his ass. <laughs> you know, because I know I'm better at doing it anyway, and I'm like, right. hey, you crazy. Right. But there's a mentality of, you know, you have to be a starving artist or yeah. Eddie Murphy. Yeah, and there's no room for in between. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Which is bullshit. Yeah. Right. You know, I mean, you could be Alex English and still make a good living. You could still be a, you could be a professional baseball player and make a good living. You ain't right. got to go to the Hall of Fame. Right. Most people don't. But you ain't supposed to die in your car or just be in a, <laughs> a rat-ass hotel and kill yourself. Cause yeah. you, you know, it's, it's, it's too, it's too, the extremes are too feast and famine. It ain't no good business supposed to be like that. And I think that's, I think that's one of the reasons why... Um, Less has been so successful mm -hmm. here. If it's cause it's not because of, you know, what he knows and who he knows. It's who he is and who Pam is. You know, that's right. They're like they're like they're good they're looking. like family. We're good yeah. looking. Yeah, we're <laughs> it's all about the hot yeah, sex, great. man. You well, know it. All right. Keep keeping you young. Snuck up on me. I didn't hear yeah. you. That way. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 like yeah. I was saying, it's just like. You feel welcome when you come. You know what I mean? It feel like yeah. you want to go out and do your best. You, you know, know what's crazy, too, man, is most marriages last about two minutes anyway. But for them to, to grind through things they grind it through is a testament to business anyway, right? Right, right. You know, because a lot of times, you know, people marriage fall apart and then business fall apart. And the dude don't care about his career anymore. They always think he fall in love with a 20-year-old and he get his heart broke by her and... Yeah. But they stay together and they build something out, out of, it sounds corny, but you, when you build something out of love, it lasts a little longer than just convenience. Yeah, so yeah. I believe that kind of stuff. I, I, I believe that as well. Mm -hmm. I believe that as well. I believe that. She is fine, though. I'll tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we talking about my wife? Oh, are you still here? Yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't know. <laughs> that's oh, one. That's, she is fine. That's she one reason they still together, right? You know, you bet your ass. <laughs> I tell you what, I say it all the time. I wake, I wake up every morning yeah. for thirty years. I wake up every morning. I look over the other side. And I go, 
fuck, she's still here. <laughs> she had every opportunity to leave. I'm a deep sleeper. You know? If, 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 if you can wake up every morning next to a pretty one, I think I think it's worth waiting. You know? Hell yeah. If you turn over and you say, God damn, you know oh, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It might be time to get out of there, you yeah, know? Yeah, it's tough, tough. Nah, we're, I'm blessed with heart. Yeah. You know? And, and I mean, you know, to get, to get beautiful and smart, yep. you know, more beautiful, smarter. How the fuck did that happen to me? Yeah. yeah. Now are you talking about Daryl? Oh, oh, man. Oh, man. oh man. He needs work, doesn't man. he? <laughs> Daryl ain't taking you no more gigs. I'm off tour. Two guys right here are gonna jump in. Are you married? Are you married? Me? No, yeah. man. No, no, not at all. No, but I'm a, but I'm in love. Are you? Yeah, I'm a love maker. Oh, that's good. All right. Uh, <laughs> how old are you? Thirty-eight. What? Just turned thirty-eight last week. Okay, okay, yeah. that's about what I would have guessed. Thirty-five-ish, something like that. Yeah, twenty-five. But I mean, like, you got a girl that you live with, sort of thing, or no? No, you no. just just grooving. Yeah. All right. Just following my heart. That's good. So you say you're in love, though. Yeah. With this girl. Okay, that's yeah. good. That's good. Well, whoever happens to be around to be in love with. Yeah. You can't be with a one you got to describe love these days. Because yeah. one-nighters are some people calling that love, you know. Well, they I, are nowadays. Yeah. On the, on the damn Facebook. Oh, man. They kill me. You know, they, here's something I noticed. I noticed it was with my daughter when she was, you know, a teenager. And I don't know if you see this with, it, with your kids. You know, but it's like. They don't want to just date. It's like it's like they have to they have to like I like them and now they're my boyfriend or they're my girlfriend. Like oh, yeah, within yeah. a week. And yeah. I go, You don't even know that son of a bitch. Within two phone <laughs> conversations. I know. And I remember I challenged Taylor and I go, Why do they ha- why do you have to why does it have to be all or nothing? And she would be like, Well you just want me to be a whore? And I go, That's not what I call it. A whore. No, date, just date people. And then, you know, you don't have to be. But it's almost like there's some weird thing with the young people now that if you're just dating around, that that's, you know, then you're a slut. I think, I think, some, I think some of the, um, the older guys got that too. We had, I had one on my job, older guy, uh, a few years back. I don't know what bug hit him, but, you know, he's one of them guys that he, he likes to – pick up chicks and um you know how they have the houses where the where the chicks is stationed in the houses and the guys are making money off of them well he he goes into one of the houses and he falls in love with a chick just like that a so, prostitute a I'm prostitute a, I'm a brothel yeah <laughs> so, <laughs> so listen 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 the story gets groovy the story the story gets groovy hold on listen listen the story gets groovy right so we headed out to the we headed out to the to the um, route one morning, and um, he he telling me about it. He telling me about it. He was like, "Man, I, you know, I think I want to take her out of the house, man. I, you know, I'll give her everything oh, that no. she needs." So I'm saying to myself, <laughs> "Buddy, you 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 in for a long run?" So he hit me with the platinum car. He was like, "Man, I ain't scared to tell you, Gino, but I did something I don't usually do." And I said, "What is that?" He said, "Man." Man, I like this girl so much, I went down on her. I said, oh, oh Jesus Christ, man. Jesus. I said, pull over. You need to get some mouthwash, mouthwash. <laughs> you, you need to get everything you can, man. What's wrong with you? You know what yeah. I mean? I ain't going to say his name. But if he ever hit his podcast, he's going to be like, I knew he was going to say something sooner or later. You know what I mean? And he, 
and and, and, for, know, and do, for the life of me, he was serious. But I, what he I, wasn't playing. We've yeah. all met guys that go after strippers, you know, yeah. and yeah. you go out of a strip club and go, what the fuck are you thinking? Are you out of your mind? I mean, you know. Okay, let's cross that line. Stripper, prostitute. It's not the same. It's not the same. No. Nah. It's not the same. What are we? But but let's let us let us get it out. You call that guy face first. When he told me that, I was like, oh my god. Wants to sell their body for sex? I don't. I, I fine. Right. You know, athletes throw their bodies out there to get the shit beat out of right, them for right, money. Right. You know, I don't have a problem with it. But if you're doing it because you want to do it, yeah. you know what the hell. You know, but uh, but you know, nine times out of ten. Falling in love with a prostitute. Oh yeah. Not 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 just falling in love. I'm talking about the first night you're dropping down there with your mouth open that between her legs. The first night. Man, oh man, that's just romantic to some dude. That's yeah. like, that's, I, I heard you that's right. how you get a wife. So I think yeah. it, is. <laughs> it is. It is. It is. So, that's, I mean, that's how marriage survives <laughs> thirty years. I'm gonna tell you that. I mean, if you're in the marriage and you're already <laughs> dropping down, that's right. good. Hey, man. <laughs> It's all good though. It's all good. So I can't wait till your wife hears this, Chino. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. You need Jeez. to hang out with your friend more. <laughs> she gonna hear this. Well, what sparked that conversation? Man, I don't know. Chris did it, man. So uh, tonight, since we're doing the interview at the end, uh, I'm just gonna do ten. Why don't you do twenty? Yeah, sure, man. You go ahead and do. Daryl, what you do. I mean, okay. 45 time, but if you okay. do 50-55 like you do. But okay. that way, we keep the interview to 20 minutes. Okay. Uh, and, and that way, they're not in here more than an hour, 40 gotcha. hours, 45 hours. I got you. Okay. All right. And I ain't going to be hanging with you guys too long. I'm, I'm probably be heading back. So we, in tonight? Yeah, no, nah, we, okay. we, um, we, we, we doing a lot of work trying to get these boys to the um, – Good. To the nationals, so nice. it's been it's been um, actually this has been like the first day I've been off from um, practicing with them and stuff like this because mm. it's a huge stage for these yeah. young men. Big you know what I mean? It's a great opportunity for them. What did you figure was the bottom line of what we need to raise? So we need to come up with about three grand or something like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Some of the parents can afford to kick in some of that, and then, mm. then we just end up with. So try to raise everything we can so that, you know, if we get it all, great. If not, then we'll, we'll figure out something. Right, 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 right. We'll get it. But like, like I said, it's, a, it's, a, it's an awesome opportunity for these young men, you know. Yeah, and, um, you know, for, 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 it to be our, for it to be our first yeah. year as a team and as a unit, mm. for it to be our first year, and we accomplished so much. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm proud to say for these for these young men, you know, out of out of eight tournaments that we've been in so far, we've been in the championship six of those tournaments. Wow, man. We won three of them and we lost three of them. Hmm. You know, so um, and then in the other two, we made it to the semifinals and we lost. You know, hmm. so for these for these guys, we look at it as more than just a team. You know, we trying to keep these young men. 
you know what I mean, from falling to the yep. from falling to the wayside. You yep. know what I mean? Because yep. like I said, um teaching them life success. You right, know, success right, on right. Because success on life sometimes. You never you never know what's going on the way yep. these the way these young guys are mm-hmm. are out in these streets taking yep. over like they living like it's no tomorrow right, right. now in the streets. Good blueprints. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, good, good life blueprints on basketball. Right, right. right. That's and that's what we try to that's mm-hmm. what myself and the other coaches Mm-hmm. As well as as my wife and stuff like that. That's what we try to instill into these boys. You know what I mean? Because you can be living on the good side of life and make a bad decision. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. it and and it can end up in turmoil. You know. So we try to teach them. You know the decisions that they make. You know what I mean? It's. I know that you're good on the court, but can you be that same way off the court? Right. Because it's it's younger guys looking up at you guys and saying, "Oh man," you know. So they want to be just like you. So how are you going to lead them? You know. So it, it, it's been very awesome experience, not only for them but for me as well. I can imagine. You know, man. and um, I can imagine. You know, I want to publicly thank Pam and Les because you know they helped us out way. They helped us out so much yeah. that it's not even um, it's not even funny. Once he once I told him about it, and he seen the blueprint. And stuff like that. He was like, "Whatever, whatever you need, I'm there for you." You know. So it's it's it's, it's been an awesome ride. You know, it's been it's been very experiencing. And I and I'm gonna tell you about one instant. Um, well, hold on, I, hold on, hold on, Where Griffin at? Right here, man. Man, run around, grab me a beer in the shop. Yeah, I got a beer for you here. Oh, do you? One 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 ahead, instant bro. one instance I want to tell you about when I said. When I said they got a good and a bad, uh-huh. um, two two of the guys on my team, two of the young men on my team, they play for this high school, and um, that's what it is. We got like a a bunch of different guys from different high schools, but two of the guys that play on my team, um, they're from this high school, and they had a tragic experience where. A senior on their basketball team, one of the leaders on their basketball team, hanging out with his friends one night right here in Sarasota, hanging out with his friends one night in the car. Um, one of them, one of the guys decides, I want to bring a gun along, you know, and they're hanging out, they're having fun, it's late night, they're hanging with the girls. The gun goes off in the back of the car, shoots the athlete in the back of the head and kills him. And this guy, this guy had, he had looks from all different types of colleges where he could have, he was going to do something with his life, you know what I mean? And in an instant like that, his life got snuffed out. And at the same time that his life got snuffed out, we was in the middle of a tournament. We was in the middle of a three-day tournament, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And he lost his life on that Saturday. So that Sunday when we was coming back, we was coming back to play the championship game. So I knew... Those two boys of mine, their 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 heads wasn't going to be there, you know what I mean. And mm-hmm. then like the other boys that's on my team, they knew this kid as well from different schools. So you know when you're an athlete, athletes respect other athletes, you know what I mean. So it was it was an experience for me to get them together and tell them, look, you know I had to sit down and talk to them before the championship game. Look. These are the things that I'm trying to show you guys. You know what I mean? These are the perfect examples that I want you guys to see. You know what I mean? A split decision can change everything in your life. You know what I mean? I said, 
um, we have to use this experience to better ourselves. Was he doing something wrong? No, he wasn't doing nothing wrong. But at the same time, you got to always know who you're around sometimes. You know what I mean? Because if you're hanging out and you're having fun, there was no need for that gun. You know what I mean? Because these was all high school boys. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Do. And then he lost his life. And I had to not only console those two boys of mine, I had to console the whole team. And we had we rallied together and we, we, we felt like, okay, let's do this for Manatee County because we lost two boys, the one that died and the one that had the gun. Right. You know what I mean? And right. both of them was going to school at that time. You know what I mean? So that's what I want to give back to the kids. You know what I mean? I want to give back. I want to be more than a, a coach to them. You know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. just like you say, you see it in comedy. Mm -hmm. I see that in... I see that in, in, in coaching right now with the AAU. I see a lot of these AAU coaches right now, they're just in it for the money. You know what I mean? They're really not thinking about the kids no more. You know what I mean? It's not about mentoring the kids or making sure the kids, you know what I mean, good. They're, they're more concerned with how, how, how their program looks in, in the spotlight. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And then our, our direction is, you know, our team is Manatee Legacy. And our and legacy for us stands for let's let's educate God and change our youth. You know what I mean? So I want I want I want boys to I want boys to be more aware of what's going on around them as right. young men. I think that's what we where we losing focus at with our with our young men. We're not teaching our young men to be aware of what's going on around them. You know what I mean? They, they just riding through life doing whatever everybody else do. Mm -hmm. But if we can teach them to be aware of what's going on around them, they can see that. They can see that life is about life is about working hard for what you want. Life is about being respectful. Life is about, you know, having having something in life. You know what I mean? And working hard to get it. You know, you understand where I'm coming from? Of course I do. So that's why that's that's the direction that I'm teaching my boys. And as we've been as we've been going through that with them through this season, it has made these boys stronger. You know what I mean? They bond as like family, like brothers. You know what I mean? So that's why we've been so successful in our first season as a AAU organization. You know, I've been coaching in, in rec leagues and stuff like this, but this is my first time stepping out in the AAU organization. And it's been very successful on that point of being more than a coach being more than an organization, being like a family, a mentor to these young men, you know, because they could be anywhere, you know what I mean? And that's how we losing our young men. So it's, it's, it's more to me than about coaching. It's about life right now, teaching these guys about life. When I asked you what the goals was in comedy, I've always been a goal-driven dude. Uh, it sounds like you're saying the same things. Uh, I think you have to be incredibly vivid and specific in your goals to keep you moving right. forward in that direction. Because, you know, when I was when I was balling, it was just to get there, just to know that I could play in the NBA. And then I proved that I could by playing against a bunch of dudes that I could ball with and then play pro-ams I could ball with and all that sort of stuff. But uh, I didn't have enough specific goals to get me further through the little stuff, you know, 
the little stuff uh, that you have to get through, the day-to-day stuff. I didn't get, you know, I didn't have enough specific goals. Now in comedy, I do. Uh, and so, because uh, we, we have these tragedies in life all the time anyway, but it's the people that uh, really have very specific goals, what they want to be in life. Say Barack wanted, even, when he decided he wanted to become president. All along your way, you have to make decisions that will never interrupt or get in the way of damaging that goal. Right? Right, right. You, that's you, correct. I see where you're coming from. And so if you teach people how to get to the core of who they are, okay, man, what is it? Ideally, what would you love to be more than what you love to do? You attach that goal to them, and then you, when you ask these questions, hey, man, when you go out tonight, remember who you want to be and who you're going to be. And if anything comes close to jeopardizing it, you know you ain't supposed to be there. Right. That's a, that's a very good. That's a very good scenario. Got to protect I mean, it. Yeah. Huh? You got to protect your goal. You got to protect your goal. Yeah. You got to protect it. That's very. That's a very good scenario. I appreciate yeah. that. Um, yeah. I appreciate that right there. You know what I mean? Yes. I take that's mm-hmm. something very deep. That, you know what I mean? To incorporate to these young men. You know what I mean? Because it's 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 very truthful. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very truthful because just like you said, you use Barack. If, if he make, if, if there's anything that can disrespect or take him off a of key, off from it, off the path that he's headed in as that president, then it's the wrong direction. That's right. You'll know right away. Will it, will this, does this align with what I'm trying to be? I, you know, I learned all this stuff is um, uh, when I was kind of in between. I knew I was good and I'd gotten some stuff, but I wasn't like, I was like, man, I don't. I don't think Jamie or Chris Rock, three of those dudes are just peers. This is the year when Chris was hosting uh, and Jamie was being nominated for Ray. And I was in this rat-ass condo uh, in Milwaukee. Love the club. And uh, and I'm watching this Oscar stuff, and I was like, what do they have that I don't have? And um, I knew Chris loved his wife at the time. I met her. And then Jamie had his daughter. So they had a standard of love that they just were not going to go below that. So you get, you're get living for you, somebody else other than yourself. And then I was like, okay, so I fell in love. I made this lady fall in love. And that, that was the best thing I ever had in my life, this wife, for 10 years. Uh, and that raised my standards to, you know, I couldn't be scared to take a chance on shooting my own special and paying for it. Because I got this woman looking at me like, hey, man, you don't want with the dreams. You said you could do this, so I couldn't be scared. And then I learned from watching Hall of Fame speeches from all sports. And you realize that it's a great learning tool. Watch all people become incredibly successful at their thing and watch how they give gratitude in those speeches. And all of them say the same things. I never gave up. It was incredibly difficult. I knew this is where I wanted to be. And that's where you set those standards and go, you Hall of Fame? Is that a Hall of Fame decision or not a Hall of Fame decision? Right. You know what I mean? Does that make sense to you? It makes total it sense. It makes a lot of sense. If it's a Hall of Fame decision, you make then you work like a Hall of Famer. And that doesn't mean just work out all the time. It means don't do dumb things that will right. prevent you from being in the Hall of Fame. You don't get to carry a gun to be in the Hall of Fame. Right? You're right. That's Gilbert Arenas. That guy had Hall of Fame skills. Carried a gun. He ain't in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, he didn't, have, he didn't right. have Hall of Fame decisions. Made, right. made, like that, one, made that one wrong one decision. One wrong decision. Made that one wrong decision. That would have saved them biases of life. There would have been so many people's lives have changed if they didn't have, they just understood between Hall of Fame and not. You know, Barack or not. Hall of Fame or not. Like, I think about this stuff all the time. Uh, 
And it's something it's something that it's something that just hearing you from that perspective, it's something that I'm gonna start carrying in the back of my mind. You know what I mean? Probably for the rest of my life because you know I try to live by that perspective, but I never actually heard it the way you put it. You understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I always heard it as, I mean, I always looked at it as, you know, if you do this right here, where is going to get you at? You know what I mean? What's going to be the outcome for this? What's going to be both sides of that? You know what I mean? But the perspective that you put it in, add more to that and say, will this hurt you in the future trying to be this? Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, you know, a lot of times we've grown up with having to have decisions, but you don't really know what heaven looks or feels. You can hear what people say right. or read about, but you don't know. And so I was like, all right, well, what does heaven on earth look like? That's a phrase. So I figured out, well, you know, I can see that Michael Jordan, even when his father got killed, he handled like a Hall of Famer. Yeah. He handled like a Hall of Fame. He cried. He got the crown that trophy on his father's uh, on the Father's Day when he won. You know, he made some bad decisions, but none of them affected his ability to continue to be who he is. Tiger right. Woods, when he made them very non-Hall of Fame decisions, it, it it looked like that, didn't it? It looked like oh, fool, because his daddy died. And he was in a lot of pain, started boning everything that moved. But yeah. now, where's his mind at? Back in Hall of Fame decisions, right? Yeah. So that's that's to me that's that's water. That's breathe. I breathe that. Undeniable. Yeah. yeah. How, how do you know if you're being like too ambitious? I don't know what that means. <laughs> All right. Well, there you go. I don't I like think that. I don't think it's a such thing as too ambitious. Or unrealistic, I, maybe. Is that the you well? Know what I mean, again. That's, yeah. that's how you get to the moon. That's how you become uh, Starbucks. That's how you become. Right. I shook the hand of four billionaires. And I was like, wow. I, I met Howard Schultz before he even created. He was in the process of starting hard Starbucks. Damn. And, uh, and I met these people. And they, everybody says the same thing, dude. You just cannot give up. Right. And you know you're getting make it heavy when people start getting uncomfortable with your progress or your ambition. Okay. Right. And then, you uncomfortable. Yeah. and then at the same time, like you said, how do you know, even when you're saying it's unrealistic, unrealistic is why those guys got those stars. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know what I mean? Because they did things that was unrealistic. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. they stuck, they stuck with it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So like I said, it's, it's really no, no, it's really no bad thing to saying too ambitious. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because if, um. If if if, it, if it's meant if you had a drive to go out and get it, and you want it, just go. Yeah. You know what I mean. You you'll know what's right for you and what's not right for you. You know what I mean. Things that things that come in your path or things that walk in your path when you're when you're when you're when you're traveling alone. At some point, you'll get that feeling of is this is this a good woman for me? Right. If not. You know what I mean? Is this a good friend for me? You know what I mean? You 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 have that feeling. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, I mean, never say too ambitious. Just go after. When I teach, uh, I one of the things I ask them after they listen to them talk, I go, "Hey man, okay, so what's the ideal situation goal? Because I want them to pin that goal on the wall. No." No matter what people think, what is, people are scared to say what those things really are. 
people are scared to say, I want to be as big as Eddie Murphy. You know who wasn't scared to say that? Kevin Hart's like, I'm going to be bigger than Eddie Murphy. Yeah. Eddie Murphy sees, I want to be big as Elvis. Yeah. I mean, I'm just like, I'm going to be the greatest of all time. Yeah. Like, if you, you can't be afraid of how people act, even though it, it sounds crazy. Like, people have been shitting on me for three years trying to do this guy, this yeah. thing. Yeah. Because they're talking crazy. Just friends turn their back. And people get, but I know in my heart and my soul that I'm going to get there. And then they'll, and I know I'm right. But it's because it's for the greater good. Uh, does that motivate you more? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Of course it does. Yeah. And you know what? All you got to do is go and look up in the annals of history and see that everybody's ever done incredible things. Had haters. Have had more naysayers than they had positive people in their lives. Oh, yeah. That's very true. Every yeah. single one of them. Israel become Israel. There's only, a, you know, only four of them mugs made it, right? Yeah. At, listen, Damn. there's always going to be more people that are going to be against you than all for you uh, when you have big ambitions and big goals. But and that goal should be your purpose and your dream, and that will get you through every single thing. Because it's just like he said. It's, it's going to be, I mean, and, and sometimes I hate to say it, it's going to be people that's close to you. That's against you. That's gonna hurt you the most. You know what I mean? It's gonna it's gonna it's gonna be people that's close to you that's against you. And you're not you're not gonna know it. You're not gonna know it until you continue on your path, your direction. You know what I mean? Sorry, and the important thing is not to be mad at them because they scared. Yeah. They scared, you know, that they not trying something that big and they're more comfortable keeping you where you are. Yeah, they're insecure about their own it's crab bucket, they crab bucket. But yeah. that don't mean that's a negative quality that they have. They're just afraid. Right. And those will be the same people. When you get up there, they will never let you leave that spot. They will be the first ones to say, hey, man, don't mess this up. Yeah, right, exactly. And the ones that's for real that doubted you will say, man, I was wrong. Yeah. I'm so proud of you. Those will become your biggest fans. And Darryl said one of the key things, and I, and I, and I, and I say it's key, because even though you might have those naysayers, there's no need in being upset with them. It's just life. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, it's just like he said. You know, it's just it's, it's, it's how it is. That's the, that's human nature. And you need them. Like right. you need them. Otherwise, everything will be perfect. Yeah, and that doesn't make no sense. Right. Yeah. Shit. Because even at times, even at times, even at times with um. With this, with this, uh, with this AAU team this season. Even at times, I've, I've been like, even when I was trying to put everything together, the paperwork, the ins and outs of the yeah. legitness of it, just, just <coughs> being able to cross over from direct league coach to a travel coach. You know what I mean? With yeah. his own, with with my own organization, me and my wife. It was like, so many times I said to myself. Man, it's too stressful. You know what I mean? It's too much. But when I slept on it and I got up the next day, I came home from work, I got right back at it. I got right back at it. I got right back at it. And then once I, once I, seen, once I seen my vision coming in and it actually started happening, actually started flourishing, even some, of, even, even, even some of the coaches that I used to coach with at the rec league, they was like, you know, I always, I always felt like you can do something like this. He said, but I never thought you would would do it. You know what I mean? But yeah. it's not because 
they didn't think I was capable of doing it. They didn't think I had the ambition to do it. And just like he said, it's because of something that they're not doing. You know what I mean? So you can't can't be mad. You can't dislike them. You just, I feel more on just keep going. You right, know what right. I mean? Because God gonna bless you. If it's meant for you, God gonna bless you in some kind of way. Right. You know what I mean? Tell you so you a quick just analogy keep going. Too. So now that I use, and then I'm gonna ask you a question. Actually, let me ask you this question first, and I wanna tell you this analogy. So, um, so how much do uh, how much do shoes cost now? You want me to speak from my 16 year old point of view? Yeah. His average shoes right now can range anywhere between 120 to 150. All right, jeez. And point guard, and who's how many you got on the team? We have ten. And who you know who your tenth man is? Yes. You know who your tenth man is? Yes, sir. All right. So before we leave, uh, either not tonight or this week, I'm gonna buy your point guard and your tenth man a pair of shoes. And I want you to tell that team there's no between the number one and the number ten. Wow. That's sweet, man. That's sweet. That's sweet because that's how that's how they treat him. You know what I mean? Even though he's coming along, they help him. You know what I mean? They don't look down on him. You know, they wherever his weakness is at, they help him. You know what I mean? When he comes on the court, when he comes on the court, they don't shy away from him and not give him the ball. You know what I mean? They they throw the ball to him. They encourage him to shoot and stuff like that. And from the beginning of the season until right now, he's probably don't came. If he was at 30 in the beginning, he don't came all the way up to 80 because of how the team encourages him. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. That same thing that you just asked me about who's the number one and who's the number 10, I tell them that all of them are equal because you can't get to where you are without him. You know what I mean? Even if he gets a rebound and kick the rebound mm-hmm. out to you and you hit the mm-hmm. running shot, mm-hmm. he had to get that rebound to kick it out to you. You know what I mean? So, man, Those if you, are generally where your leaders are, the number one and number 10. If, 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 if you do that, Daryl, man, I, I promise you, I promise you, man, them boys will be so ecstatic about that. You know what I mean? Oh, they will be so grateful about that. I didn't say it to them. I didn't yeah. say it unless I meant it. So. Yeah. yeah uh, they'll be so grateful for that, you know? Good. It's just, and it's, um, it, it, it goes back to, it goes back to, um, it goes back to no matter how successful you are, you know what I mean? You never forget about where you came from, you know what I mean? Because there's always a person on the bottom somewhere, you know what I mean? In your industry, there's always somebody on the bottom, you know what I mean? You can have the owner and you can have the janitor. The janitor is just important as the owner. Yep, that's That's what great companies are. Right. The leader will treat everybody, every man on the team like special. Right. So number one, number ten, and that number ten at some point will probably end up becoming a great leader anyway because moments like this, his AAU moment, he might get so he's gonna get some shoes out of it, and then your number one is gonna learn 
uh, that you know, by be, he's gonna learn how to be a leader by treating number ten as important. Right. And you're gonna give them a message that hey, you number one, this is number ten, and but you know there's no difference. Y'all both got gifted this thing because you're peers and you're equals, right? Right. So and that's, that's the, and that's the main thing. I'm gonna yeah. let them know. I'm gonna say this is a gift to you guys from Daryl because he wants you guys to know number one is no different from number ten. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And that's how it's supposed to be. That's a team. That's right. That's a team. That's right. You know what I mean? Because you right. can't look at number 10 different. Nope. Because if you look at him different when he steps on the court, you're going to treat him different. And he'll, he'll sue you eventually, too. <laughs> he'll be a lawsuit involved. <laughs> you start treating him different. You know? And your number 10s are the ones that usually end up becoming presidents and billionaires or anything. Well, the thing is, right? That, that, That's right. That, no, we usually we have a, we have a feeling that uh, at, at, at the the game winning shot, the the guy who the, or, or the the player that's that's going to score the key moments of the game, you always think is going to be the star. But lots of times it is the number ten guy right. that gets hot that night. Yeah, you know, right. last night we were watching the Stanley Cup, and uh, St. Louis beat uh, Boston in Boston, yeah. and I don't think anybody thought they were going to do that. I did. One, and one I'll tell you, it. that goalie for St. Louis, rookie goalie, was unbelievable last night. He was the man. I think I seen on SportsCenter it said the most unlikely guy in the game that you think would be in the game and make a difference in the game is the one that won the game. That's yes. Right. Yes. You know what I mean? I was like, right. wow. Yep. That's right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I was like, wow. And that's the thing. Every once in a while, that that number 10 person steps up, just gets in a groove. And a lot of times, don't you think it's the confidence that he or she gets from the whole uh, the team? team. Yeah, that's right. The whole team, all of a sudden, he that's just right. feels it or she feels it. That's right. And boom, you know, they're, does they're something happy. that they've never done before. They're happy right. down there. Yeah. Right, let me get some analogy in real fast. And one of you ever had to walk into the bathroom. So, <laughs> all right. So, uh, unless you wasn't around, you was on stage killing it as you do. All right. Um, and I never seen this such a short set, though. Is something wrong with you? Do what? I never seen such a, do such a short set. That was amazing. Thank uh, you. Thank you. <laughs> it, take, it takes discipline. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's no one more disciplined than me. <laughs> discipline is my middle name. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I was talking to the, we all talking here, and, uh, you know, about, you know, the more vivid and specific goals you all have, uh, the more successful you could become. Yes. And, you know, there's Hall of Fame decisions, not Hall of Fame decisions. Uh, you know, Barack can't. Uh, had put some positions uh, that he could never uh, deviate him from those goals before he became president. Right. Right. Okay. So I have this analogy. I don't know if you guys ever went to Disneyland, Disney World. You ever, when I was a kid, I'll never forget this. They had those little cars. Yeah. And they had a little track on them. Yep. And it only went so fast. Yes. You couldn't turn right, couldn't turn left. You nope. could only go so fast. Right. All you could do is just <laughs> drive that thing. Right. And you thought you were really doing something. Yes. I'm being a kid. I'm trying to race people. We all go on the same speed. Yes. And you couldn't turn left. Like, yeah. So what What I really believe life is, how I try to live my life is, I've designed that track. And now my car is going that way regardless of all the outcomes in front of me. Even if I step on the gas, when I step back on the gas, I'm still going that direction that I, I designed agree. that track. To I agree. We were talking today about instincts and intuition. Yep. And, uh, and I believe, personally, 
I believe that 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 every person has that track that is best for them. That's right. And it is our job in life to find it. And how do you know you're on it? Generally, you feel really good mm -hmm. about what's going on in your life right. when you're on the track. Right. And every once in a while, we all deviate off that track every now and then. Immediately. And you know it, and you'll go, yeah. you'll go off. But, you know, you learn things yeah. when you go off the track yeah. that I think help you when you get back on the oh, track. Yeah. Yeah. But it, we were saying it last night, that old saying, uh, the, the, the famous saying from Winston Churchill during World War II, he told right. the troops, when you're going through hell, when yeah. you find yourself going through hell, keep going. going. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. and that's it. You, you, some people get off track yeah. and they just lay in it. Yeah. Yeah. They just, they just quit. Yeah. You know, and boy, what an awful. Yeah. And we've all seen it. We've all seen it and more seen, than once. We've seen people who, who have become accustomed. People that uh, have experienced a lot of pain end up chasing pain. Yes. So yes. if you give them a positive track and they go, this is this doesn't hurt. It feels uncomfortable because it doesn't hurt. Right. They're gonna veer back towards that pain thing. That's right. That and those people need therapy. <laughs> those people usually don't they, last a long time. They don't. They yeah. don't. Yeah. They uh, do. I need. We need to go to the bathroom. Yes. yes. Okay. And I know people are going. People are going. Why do we need to go to the bathroom? Well, right. Well, this is a full service comedy club. It is. It is. All right, y'all can keep <laughs> no. yakking or not or whatever. I got. I got to um, holler at Go Bronwyn ahead. for a minute. Okay, cool. To set up something. For uh, I'll chat. I'll chat with you soon. All right. And yeah, uh, we'll pause it for a minute. You know. And I think that. And I'll. I'll talk to you here about first of next week. All right. And uh, yeah, we'll just we'll get on track. I'm gonna make some calls and stuff, and then we'll raise a bunch of can if we have a downside. We'll figure it out. We'll be back. In the green room. Yeah. But I was saying. I was saying that. that uh, uh, you know, I haven't really had a great chance to just sit and chat with you at your uh, background, you know, kind of. Um, I mean, you grew, you grew up, did you grow up in Vancouver? Did, are no, you, I grew up in a city, Calgary, which is just above. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Montana. Yeah. Kinda, it's like Alberta, or, uh, Canada's Texas kind of thing. Oil, right. oil Rode, it's a rodeo. Yeah, yeah. Calgary it is, yeah, got a Stampede, big, huge rodeo yeah. there yeah. or something? Yeah. Yeah, but I grew up in, 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 in like the kind of the rough part of town, uh, which I make fun of a lot. There's a rougher part of the town than the rodeo part? <laughs> <laughs> That's the good part. <laughs> yeah, the rough, yeah, we don't, yeah, but uh, no, it was, it was, yeah, it was, it was fun, man, but yeah, I don't know. I always joke, yeah, I was like the, you know, there was like seven white guys in my school kind of thing. Oh, and like, okay. Yeah, then it was, uh, so everyone would, I mean, it was all different races, which was really cool, but it, so, yeah, everyone would always make fun of me. You, <laughs> you don't think about, I mean, I know when I, when I moved to uh, Colorado for a little while, right out of college, and lived Denver, Boulder area, and uh, coming from Memphis at the time, and I was like, you know, the, the diversity difference was, I go, we're not finding, there's not many black, not many African-American right. people here, more Latin, uh, uh, but, but, and so... You think you get up in areas like Montana and stuff like that, that there would be very little racial yeah. diversity <laughs> up there. Uh, yeah. Is there? Is yeah, there, there's a lot of, uh, uh, um, yeah, not necessarily black, but a lot of Asian, a lot of like just all different. It, it's weird, like usually a population from a different country will kind of pick a city. It's usually around a church or something, and then they'll, right. they'll like go there. So it was a lot of Filipinos, um, Vietnamese, like. Yeah, uh, um, yeah, Indian people, just all whole mix. But cool. it, it, yeah, it was it was fun. Um, 
But then I always growing up, I was like, oh man, I just wish I was anything but white because it was the <laughs> one thing they all had in common with each. And then I got into the greater world and I was like, oh, thank God I'm white. <laughs> 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 that's just, oh, that's but, pretty uh, wild. Yeah, but uh, yeah, if you look all my old high school pictures, it's just me and then, yeah. But um, but no, it's good. And then I, I uh, worked really hard when my whole, like, yeah, like full time on night shift and paid for my whole education. What was your night shift job? I worked uh, for newspaper plants and then uh-huh. I'd run all the, I didn't know anything when I started there. I was like, 18 because uh, I worked Dairy Queen 15 to 18 and then worked full-time night shift and yeah uh, it, I don't know just ran all the equipment but it was hilarious because I was like a 130 pound you know 18 year old zitty kid in and then they made me a boss in like my third month and I was just in charge of crazy adult, like people would just always they can't come to work because they're in jail like that <laughs> like they're working night shifts so it was it was I don't even know how I did it and then I would, yeah I went to university during the day got a couple degrees Bought a house. I bought a condo when I was nineteen, and then uh, wow, yeah, like sold that because I just. What degrees did you get? I did English and political science because wow. I was going to go into law. So you put yourself through college. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not as expensive up there, but it was still like pretty rough. You had to didn't do any uh, loans or anything like that. Right. And then bought a house when I was twenty four, and then uh, yeah, I didn't end up going to law school because I just I was like I don't know if it seemed too boring kind of thing. Right. You know? Like too right. much, too much of a grind, and then I was just you know. 26 years old, graduated, living in suburbia, and then I was like, this is what, because I didn't party when I was young, or I didn't, you know, right. I was just working so much, and then I was like, this can't, this can't be life, and then I kind of just, you know, started making moves and uh, doing a bunch of creative stuff, and I went, there's a guy named Tucker Max that wrote this book, I Hope They Serve Beer in Hell, and he, I went on tour, we made a movie out of it, so I went on tour with him around the whole United States, like we premiered it. And what was the like, movie? It, it's called I Hope There's Super Beer in Hell. It didn't do that well. It was, but it's kind of like a guy who was just an asshole, like college type movie. Yeah. But he, yeah, he had a book of stories, and uh, but it was just insane because every place we'd go to, you know, it'd be sold out, four or five hundred people would show up to watch, and then, uh, and then after it would always be a big party, and I was like, man, this is the life I kind of missed out on and I kind of started becoming like a mini you know, write about me and stuff and people were like oh I want to meet the Canadian because I was the only Canadian guy right and then that tour ended movie didn't do that well um, and I just was back in Canada being a nobody and I was like man this is really boring and I, I was a decent writer and then I finally tried comedy I knew a lady that ran the club and I'm like how do you do it she's like you just do it like and then I went to a mic did it and I was like this is the best Thing yeah. in the world, yeah. yeah. Just like quit my job, and even when I quit, I was like, I'm gonna go do this. Because Mike's kind of in that right now. Are you? Yeah. He's, yeah. You're like a year, a year and some change. Yeah, into it. You yeah, know. yeah. So he's he's there. That's an yeah. exciting time to do it. Yeah, I sold my house. Like, I went all in. I think. Yeah. And then when I was about a year, and I won at Calgary's, they had a big competition for the, the uh, it was a great Canadian laugh off. So, like 15 clubs across the country have their own local one, and then the finalists all go to compete in Toronto so I won that just the Calgary version uh, nice. and people were like oh man who's this? it was all headliners of me so then that was kind of like, I was like oh I could do this like this is fun and uh, yeah I just just went on from there I've just been grinding ever since but yeah lost you, all my money <laughs> but now I'm doing alright again do you work more in Canada or in the United States in Canada yeah, yeah. usually in the States I just uh, yeah like Daryl since you know very early on was you know I, I would run the workshops at the comedy club and we'd Right. Um, so before the show on Wednesdays, I would uh, bring it. Co- whoever's headlining that weekend would come and do a Q and A for all the comics, and then we'd do like an open mic after. And he just came in and did such a you know, I felt like soulful, meaningful yeah uh, talk where you, and I was like, oh, this guy's actually giving like life advice and right. kind of framing comedy and just loves it in the same way I love it. So then, 
yeah, we ended up going on the road, and uh, um, and now we live in the same city. But yeah, he's been a massive influence there on me. And just, he's a great guy. Yeah, he's the best. He really yeah. is. Yeah, he really he is. Got me in like the San Fran, com- or took me to Seattle, and then I on a showcase, and I got into San Fran. And is it hard? Yeah. Is it hard now? Because I, I used to work a little bit in Canada. Just I, I worked a club in Windsor, right across oh, yeah. from Toronto. Yeah. Uh, Toronto yeah. a guy named uh, Leo Dufour had the Comedy Corner there. I used to go up Marquette every year for about 10 years, and this was in the, uh, really the 90s, maybe maybe late 80s and into the 90s. Yeah. And then I worked the, a little club in Montreal a couple of times. Oh, right on. But it, there was no hassle going over back then because it was pre-9-11. Yeah, yeah. So is there a, is it a, is it a is it a big deal to come over here and get a work visa or any of that kind of crap? Yeah, it is. It, it is. It is. It's pretty tough, man. And then I think like even lately, it's got even more extreme with like the border stuff and kind of. Oh yeah, yeah right. Since, right. Like yeah, you don't want them Trump's crazy bastards it. coming through Canada. <laughs> yeah, Can- they're like the Canadian horde. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, usually I mean, getting the green card is it's such a big step, but most people you start the process when you're kind of like I'm nine years into comedy now, so you know that ten year mark. You really start the process for the green, and it costs like you know fifteen grand, usually fifteen to twenty grand, and then it takes like you know three four years. But I have a lot of friends. Right. Dave Merhage is a really good friend of mine in Canada, and he just, I, I when I started comedy, he would take me on the road as you know similar to Lennox, and he was about ten years in. So it's really cool to kind of watch his progression because uh, we're the same age. Like he'd been doing comedy since he was eighteen. Right. But you know, he just got that green card, and then he uh, got a Netflix special, and then he. So got are you working on your green card? Yeah, I haven't started, oh, so I just do the visa now, and then I'm like, okay, next got step, you. green card. Yeah. Right. But I work a day job, and they were like, oh, we we might need you to move to Boston, and I was like, oh, that might just be easier to <laughs> do the visa through them, probably. Like, and then there's yeah. one you can get where you're allowed to do other stuff, and right. then start the green card process through them, which would be a lot quicker, and they yeah. would sponsor it. So I mean, I don't know, but then if they don't, if I don't move, I, I'm not sure because then I'll kind of be tied to them. I'm not sure if I want that, so yeah. Yeah, but I definitely. Boston's want pretty, pretty good comedy scene. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. I, yeah. So I like it. I love. It. I, we, I go up there. Uh, there's a guy named Jim McHugh. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Great guy if you get a chance to meet him. And he runs the Boston Comedy. Yeah, I think he's also good there. friends with. Darryl and uh, yeah, Daryl, I think knows. Him. Yeah. And uh, so uh, we go up there. We go up there every as much as much as I can, depending on when he scheduled it. And be a judge for their competition. Oh, right on. Yeah, and now I'm on the board. Oh, <laughs> I didn't know that till last year. Yeah. I, I opened up a thing and I went, "Oh fuck, I'm on the advisory board." <laughs> how would that happen? He goes, "Cause I call you and ask you questions." Oh, that's. <laughs> I, just, I said, "All right, that's cool. All right." But uh, I re- we really enjoy Boston a, a lot. You know, I just think for comedy, to me, you know, for stand up, I mean, it, if I was to me, if I was really gonna go uh, to try to be a major celebrity, and I and I was looking at whether to go to the New York area or L.A., right. I, I would go New York all day long. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know why it is. I, I've heard that it's now starting to open up a little bit more. For so many years, Boston comics didn't come to New York. New York comics didn't yeah. go to Boston, and it's it's a two-hour train I ride. <laughs> right. I mean, it's nothing. And I was like, why don't they? You know, and there was just some weird thing. You know, I go, y'all hate each other's baseball teams that bad that you won't even come work? (laughs) I think that's it. I mean, it's crazy, (laughs) you know. And um, But but I think that's starting to open up more because I I go, boy, right in that area, you've got so much 
yeah. comedy and great comedy, you know, yeah. and, and people that are just really into the art form. Yeah, you know, it's amazing. Yeah, I think because it, it, it comedy, yeah, L.A. is like you go to make it, but the, it, and I mean the store and all the other amazing places, but it's just, yeah, new, it's like in the blood in the in the northeast like it's like the, uh -huh. yeah, this is this is the like you said the art form i i, yeah. I think it's just yeah yeah yeah, that, yeah uh, uh i don't know uh it just seems like los angeles is you know it's like the from talking to the comics that are out there that go it's like well unless on the weekends if you're not an established yeah, like a celebrity <laughs> you know you ain't getting a fucking set you no. know or, or you might yeah you know fluke into one here or there and and so if you're doing really well, you're getting you're getting good spots on a Wednesday Thursday night, but there's there's thirty people sitting in the audience. Yeah, you're playing to the comics. You yeah, know? yeah, and it's like I know one guy was telling me he said I don't know how comics develop out there anymore. They can't really. Yeah, and you know, I had a few. Where you go in New York, you oh yeah, I mean, you, like you three four in Manhattan itself. What you got ten clubs? That yeah, good good crowds, and you know, I mean, you know, but. Yeah, it's rough. Yeah, I had three or four, you know, Canadian guys, massive headliners up there, then moved to L.A. And just, even my friend Dave I was just talking about moved out there, had a lot of hype, came in and just, just you know, getting four sets a week, trying his heart, hustling. Oh, I know. Yeah, and then he was just, you know, he kind of got, seemed depressed. And he's like, I don't know if I, what I'm doing. And then he moved back to New York and it was like, boom, Netflix special, TV show. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, well, yeah. Just, yeah. It's just, like, it's like that's it's like the industry I've seen it kind of bounce over the 35 years I've been around it right and and you know it was like New York was it and then and then LA became it because yeah. everybody started then was when the industry started to take stand-ups and form sitcoms around them. right uh, yeah yeah you know, and then stand-ups started to get to levels where they were where they were able to to be feature film stars right and, th and so then LA became the place, you know, more and more. It's like, you know, you start in New York to get to LA. And now I think it's moved back to New York to right. me. You know, it's, it, it's uh, uh, I don't know. I just think it's a better atmosphere. But do they still do like development deals and stuff like that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But I know, I mean, I know people have had multiple development deals and nothing ever. Yeah, right. it's really came from. It makes some money, and yeah. you know, it's a great when you get one. It's it's flattering, and it's yeah. <laughs> really cool. And they they hand you some money, but you know, I mean, uh, if you don't get the sitcom, yeah. if that, I mean, you know, a lot of people don't realize how many sitcoms uh, pilots are filmed every year, right? Oh, and just uh, nothing. Uh, like yeah. a ton of them, yeah. and only just uh, such a small percentage ever make it to air. Yeah, you know. Yeah, or even if you look at like John Mulaney was like, you know, he's one of the best I would say doing yes. it now, and he got that sick on that Martin Short. You're like, there's no way this can fail, and it was just bad. Like, it was oh just, yeah, which is yeah. Not, well, and there, that, yeah. I mean, uh, uh, there was a, a comic that I knew, Drew Hastings, who's finally just let, had enough. And I've heard this story before, but I mean, Drew, I think Drew told me he shot five or six pilots yeah and and had maybe three development deals and and, and and i mean these were pilots with stars like you're talking about with yeah. a, like a martin short in it with like, yeah. and he had a major role and not and you can imagine you know you get you get the the the, the sitcom you yeah. get it and you've got a part i mean a, a, yeah. a regular be, like, reoccurring yeah. role you're in it and and the the star of it is a star. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, a box office yeah. fucking killer star. And you're just 
I mean, you're you're ready to sign the check for your home in Beverly Hills and the whole nine right, yards. Yeah. <laughs> and then the fucker doesn't even doesn't yeah. even make it to, wow. to 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 the season. It doesn't even yeah. make it. And once they can one, it's canned. It ain't like oh we'll revisit yeah, this we'll next try it again year. Later. It's just no, done. it's yeah. done. It's yeah. done. And then he, I know in Drew's case, he's like. After about the fifth time, <laughs> yeah. he goes, you know, you get kicked in the gut yeah. that many times. He goes, I just had enough. Yeah. I couldn't take it anymore, you know. It's yeah, it's brutal. Even that, uh, the movie I was talking about with the Tucker Max thing where we, they gave, I mean, I was just uh, on the sidelines kind of thing involved, edited some websites and stuff for him. But then when that took off and I watched him go for the script, people paid million. The guys that made Donnie Darko, Darko Entertainment, the changed, but the studio that did Get Out as well. So they put millions into it we did the tour it seemed super successful came out in theaters and just tanked it was just and then it's just like the first weekend and then the second weekend they're like okay we're gonna pull it and then it's just done all that work all that stuff and they're like it's nothing like it yeah and then did it, did it like, come out the same week as like a marvel movie or something like that the mistake they made which is really weird is they they when we did the tour we premiered it near uh college towns and so when they picked the theaters, they did a nationwide distribution. They they went around college town. So the Friday numbers were okay, and then Saturday was zero because everyone goes to football. Like it was uh, the shit, town shuts down. So right, it was right. such a yeah. There's a, a lot of mistakes, like just rookie mistakes, marketing mistakes and stuff like that. Yeah, but yeah. then when it's when it's gone, it's just like okay, that's it, all done. The stars like wash their hands from it. It's like okay, this never yeah. existed. Next <laughs> next project, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was really really kind of yeah just seeing that shift you're like okay because if it had gone well we we're gonna go make another one i was sure we're gonna, right, move to LA. Right. We're gonna open a publishing company we had all these stuff lined up and then there was just nothing yeah you know one of the things i'm uh, i'll ask daryl when we do our video interview thing yeah. here i'm always curious you know because when we get in you know you get into an art I, I don't think i think when you get into any performance art and you find that you you've got a gift for it you know, and then you actually get to the point where you're actually making a living. Yeah. Just that, just that, not anything else. It, it, it's hard to imagine you're ever going to do anything else. Right. Once yeah. you're there, yeah, yeah. it's like, it just, yeah. it's why just would like, you? Yeah. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and so, I'm all, so say that comedy was, stand up comedy was something that was out there, but it wasn't a viable living. You, right. you just, nobody made a viable living or, right. off of that. You know, so not that you still wouldn't do that, but you needed to do something else to make your, your living. Do you, what would you have filtered into? Do you think, oh, yeah. is there something else that you think, oh, if I couldn't have done this, I'd have gone in that direction? Yeah, the one thing I was doing before, and then, I mean, I don't know if this is the right answer, but it was writing, and then I got pretty decent at that, started getting some stuff published. I did it for about four years, and I worked hard. Like, I would work into the night, like, you know, eight, ten hours just writing, writing, and then finally... But it was very lonely, and I'd kind of, you know, submit it. Someone would get published. Maybe you'd get a, somebody would look you up, give you an email, and be like, "Hey, great!" But you don't know if it's good. Right. Um, and I'd put stuff on the internet, and then people would be like, "You know, fuck you!" <laughs> <laughs> but then yeah, I, yeah. I thought it was hilarious. So yeah. then I would just agree with them. I'd be like, "You're right, man. I'm the worst." And then yeah. I kind of became known for that. Or then because they'd switch and be like, "Oh, you know what, man? I was having a bad day," and, and then become your rabid fan. It was nuts. But I loved writing. But I just. There was no feedback, and then uh, and then the first time I did comedy, I was like, "This is incredible." It's immediate feedback. Yeah, That's and it's like thing. you know if it's good or not. And I mean, it's, it can be brutal sometimes if it's not going well, but it was just. Uh, what so if, I think when I think about that, as you go, writing kind of falls into that same. I mean, basically, as stand up comedy, in that you're an entrepreneur. Right. You're, yeah. You're you're starting your own business is what you're yeah. doing. You yeah. know, you're not going to 
you're not developing a career that is based on there's a there's a solid paycheck right on, no, on this one yeah. you know what i mean <laughs> like like if I, I think if if i didn't do comedy and i filtered somewhere else uh that i would have enjoyed i i think it would have been teaching and oh I, yeah on a college yeah. level yeah. right on a university level I don't think. I, I, what would I you would, teach, though? What, do, what would you want to teach? Well, uh, since I, I graduated with a drama degree, oh, right I would have gone in that direction. Yeah, you know what I mean. That, yeah. I, you but kind of are weirdly a teacher, sort of. Yeah, to the yeah. young comics here. Oh, yeah. sure, yeah. sure. I, oh, I enjoy yeah. teaching. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I love what you did though. Where you took, we were talking about that before when you weren't here. That uh, that you took comedy and then just and put your passion and and made it a business. Like you made it a viable. Right. That's amazing. And then it's. It, it's just so incredible how the club is compared. Well, to, you know, it was all happenstance too, because really, you you, you know, you're you're uh, when we talked about earlier, and you were on stage that that, that we uh, uh, Daryl was talking about that you know that he believes that there's a track that 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 is your track, right? And your job is to figure out how to stay on it, and you can, and while you're on it, you can be yourself and go in a lot, but you need to stay on that track. Yeah. And I, I said in that same light, I, I believe that everybody has a path that's best for them, you know. And you could come off, you'll go, you'll go off of right. it sometimes. <laughs> yeah. But but when you're on it, it's like, how do you know when you're on the right track, when right. you're on the right path? And I go, instinctually, you feel better. Yeah. You know, yeah. you do. You you feel in balance. You feel you you feel good about everything. You yeah. know, as far as that goes, and that's the way this was for me. Uh, but when I met when I met Pam, and we decided that well we decided we're gonna get married. When Pam said she would marry me, right? And I looked at her and went, <laughs> I, I had to I had to I, and it real it, it's it's wild that I had to ponder it for twenty four hours even. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, and but you're you're going you're going you know here is this woman that is gorgeous, she's a wonderful person she's honorable she's honest she's smart as a whip she's yeah. creative I mean just you just couldn't have drawn it up <laughs> yeah. any better and she could have been a playboy bunny yeah you yeah. know and you're like well what the fuck are you waiting on? <laughs> yeah I mean when is this gonna be come up for you when has it come up for you in the past let's think of how many how many times this laid in your lap yeah, yeah and the one and they actually said they loved you and wanted to marry you and I, I, so at that point i knew that that the best path for me was was i wanted to stay in stand-up comedy but i I didn't. I wasn't gonna do anything that was going to fuck up right. my my relationship with her. You know, there's a lot of ways to to be an expressive artist. Maybe I don't get to make all my money doing this. Maybe I have to adjust that to keep my relationship healthy. Because as a stand-up comic, you know, tour. Yeah. Well, I go. What fucks up most marriages? Oh, man. Yeah. Touring. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when you're away from home more than you're at home, you know, when you even if it's half and half, even yeah. if you're out 25 weeks and home 25 weeks, it's a That's setup so yeah. that, that somewhere down the line, shit's going to fall apart. Yeah. And so I knew I had to be home somewhere, and we talked about that. Yeah. We also talked about are we family first? 
people or are we career first people? And oh, there's man. not a wrong answer there. Yeah. Right. But if you're career first, and at the time you got to take into consideration, she was career too. It's master's degree in theater. She's a was a very very good, you know, uh, actress, song and dance. She could do the whole nine yards. Wow. So she had as much potential to become successful as I did. Right. Yeah. You know. So if we're going out to L.A. If we're going to move to L.A., and that was what we were talking about, mm-hmm. you know, because we knew we go, we've got to go somewhere where I'm not touring all the time. Yeah. You know, right, right. we'll go. So it was like, go to L.A., get a day job, work the clubs at night, just focus on Los Angeles. Don't fuck with touring at all. Right. Much. You yeah. know what I mean? Focus on that. She would do the same thing, and then we'd be auditioning all the time, trying to get television and film. Yeah. And so, if you're career first, then that means, and, and then that means if all of a sudden Pam gets cast in a film that's going to be shot in Argentina, right? And they're going to be down there on on for six months. You know what I mean? Well, she goes. Yeah. You know, and, and we can't afford for me to go. Right. You know, and I mean, those are the kind of things you, you go, that's career first. Yeah. And everybody knows that, and that's the way your life's going to be. Yeah. You know, kind of a thing. Well, we both, as we talked about, it, we go, that's not us. We're, we're family first right. people, wow. you know. And so I go, then how are we how are you going to compete on that top level when you're not career first minded you're not going to no, be able to i know yeah it's going to be you're yeah, not you yeah. you have to be career you first yeah, yeah, you you right. really do so that was kind of a telltale when we first got talking that maybe that wasn't our path yeah because that was where we were headed we thought that's where we're supposed to go and then the more we talked about it and i've told this story a million times the more we talked about it we were like I asked Pam, we, we don't we wouldn't choose Los Angeles to live just willy right. nilly. No, no. Okay. <laughs> yeah. We're choosing that because it's corporate headquarters. Yeah. You know. So we go, we put in the time, we're career first, we work our ass off and somebody somebody does get really successful and we make a whole lot of money. Yeah. You know, what do you want to do then? And Pam was like, Well we want to live in Sarasota. We know that. We know we love Sarasota. Yeah. So we would figure out, we'd buy a house here, we'd keep a condo in L.A. once we had that kind of money. So that kind of got us moving towards, do we want to live in a place we don't want to live yeah. for years yeah. to make enough money to go to the place we want to live? <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. And and the whole thing wrapped around that was, you know, does do we, does some, is, is, is one of us really dedicated to being at the top level of of our field right and is it really important that we have a lot of money right you know a lot and uh, where you can have the mansion and the and all the right. shit, you know and we didn't grow up that way right uh, you didn't grow up no that yeah way, you know right. and now mike did he's he's fucking he's fucking trust fund I'm just rich uh, <laughs> i don't even need to do this i mean yeah. I'm just i know, I know. <laughs> it's amazing he's even here you know, they give up the Maserati, <laughs> but but you know, so that that was that was the thing was like, now nah, you know, 
when it comes down to it, let's create a happy life for ourselves. So how do we do that and stay yeah. in art? Yeah. Yeah. You know, well, there was only one. <laughs> Open a fucking comedy club. That was that was it. There yeah. was no other that go. There's no other answer to this. Yeah. But the fact that if we can get a comedy room going, even just a little weekend room, you know, we can get a little weekend room that we were thinking, God, if we can get a little weekend room going down Sarasota, and we can net fifty thousand dollars a year out of it. Right. And then I can pick up enough gigs around Florida and that right. kind of thing to make another 15 and Pam can go get some other little side gig and she can pick up another 15 then we can make $70,000 a year and we can yeah. we can eke out a nice little living yeah. for ourselves right. and you know right, and right. be happy you know and live in a nice little house and do our thing you know, and that was kind of where our heads were at. Right. You know, it got better than that, but <laughs> but but you know, it, that was you know, it, it really was you know just looking at each step of the way, looking at what what is your own personal, what is your idea of personal happiness, you know, and really what it, what do you need, what do you need. And then gear your life that way. Mm -hmm. And then I think if you gear that your life that way, because you're content and you're happy and you're enjoying your life, you have a tendency to be more successful than you ever thought you would be because opportunities are going to start popping yeah. up yeah. Yeah. that right. you never really planned on yeah. because you're just in the right zone yeah, you're and you're in the thing. right yeah. place and you're doing the right things for the right reasons. And, and it's all individual, you know, for somebody else, the other way would have been the right way. And this would have been the total wrong way yeah. to do it for yeah. them. Yeah. You know, so I think that, that, you know, you just, it, it, there's a point where you just want to do some, some introspection yeah. and, and really go, what do I, you know, I like looking out like, when I'm 80 years old, if I make it to 80, and I mean, literally, I, I was having this conversation with Pam when I was 30, yeah. you know, yeah. and she was 24, yeah. Yeah. and we're going, okay, we're 80, and you're 72, yeah. okay, how do we, where do we see ourselves? Yeah. Do we see ourselves living in a mansion in Beverly Hills? Or do we see ourselves living in a beach cottage over by Siesta Key? Yeah. Watching sunset, yeah. you know. Do we see ourselves in the mountains? Do we see ourselves living in Manhattan? Right. You know, where where would you want to wake up yeah. on my 80th birthday and be like, oh, that would be really cool. Yeah. And when you answer that question, now you've got an end game. Now you know where the path is headed. And it's much easier to get on the path and stay focused on it because you know where you want to be yeah. on the other end. Yeah. Rather than, I think lots of times people get, they get into the point of going, okay, this is the career I choose, right? Whatever it is. And I want to be as good as I can be. I'm not a slacker. You know, I'm, I'm not in this just to, just to get by. You know, I want to I wanna be really good at it. And I really want... And, and so you get caught up in what society says that is. Mm -hmm. What society says a successful doctor's supposed to 
be, or a successful lawyer is supposed to be, or a writer is supposed to be, and how they're supposed to live, and how, you know what I mean? There's like this definition. stereotypical yeah. definition, and I think people fall into that, yeah. you know, when that it's not necessarily I mean that doesn't mean you have to be that way no at all you no. know um, who was it it was uh, I was oh it was uh, uh, Brian Johnson who's the lead singer for ACDC yeah yep. I was they, he did a little article in one of the magazines he lives here and, and oh, we, all, sure. we all know Brian yeah. he's been here really here. oh yeah yeah oh, man. He's, been, he's been here as long as I have yeah and him and his wife Brenda and they're wonderful and they're, they're oh, you know so they're cool, out man. and they know a ton of I mean a ton of people here know them yeah, and they're just great people, and uh, but he was he was asked uh, uh, that question of uh, you know what you want to be. Shit, now I'm losing my train of thought. Where was I? Okay, we're headed on. Like what? How to break the mold? You don't necessarily have to live by society's definition. Right, 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 right. I'm trying to think of what was the last thing in that article. Uh, that he was talking about, and I think it had to do if 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 he had to just uh, now I'm gonna have to now I gotta go get the oh, fucking if he, magazine. <laughs> if he didn't do uh, music, is that what it? Nah, was it was along that lines. Damn it, I hate when that happens. <laughs> yeah. Right in the middle of your senior moment. <laughs> oh, and right, I'll think of it in a minute. Yeah, but uh, anyway. You tell a lot of like stories in your set. Is yeah. That, did I you always start off doing that, or I switch? I always wanted to do it, but it's very tough because then you're, yeah, because like, you know people start listening instead of <laughs> like. Um, but I think it comes from writing. Like I would write funny articles, right, and right. that was when I really started to like get things published. And then I'd you know try to put like a message in there too, but generally uh, uh, make it funny. And then I switched. I was probably three, four years in, and it was tough at first. But uh, um, yeah, once I got the. Uh, because basically it's just weird because the way if you write a new joke you're like oh I've got a new seven minute story and you go to yeah. open mic you only have five it, minutes yeah yeah, yeah. And then, I mean, even if they're like okay we'll, we'll let you do the seven you're, it's hard to find the beats like first of all to get where the beats in the story are going to be where the punchline is going to be so you're basically going to be like look I'm going to talk for seven minutes and yeah. hopefully get five laughs but then once you tell it three four times you're like okay that's where this is that's where this is and then you know, try to tie it's like it knowing how to tell it too to the right yeah, the right way. That's, yeah, I yeah. think so. And I'm getting better at, you know, that where something can happen to me and then I can turn it on stage, you know, within yeah. a month or two. But yeah, it's 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 too, it's tough and, and but once you get it and basically every sentence should move the story and should be funny. Ideally both. Ideally, like, yeah. Or one of those two things. And then yeah, and then you just have to yeah, get rid of the unnecessary yeah, details it, sort of thing. Even like the, I have a story I'm going to tell now where it's like I try to go to jail. And, uh, yeah, that shit's funny as hell. Well. Thanks, man. I think with the overall thing, but I, there's still so many places where I'm like, that's too dead. Uh, I got to put something in there and like, or take it out or, or you know, but it's just, that process is really fun. Like that's that's what I always see. Like, it's just always so funny to see like, like a very amateur open micer go up and try to tell a story. Right. Because they feel like that's like the easiest thing to do. Right. Is to yeah. tell that funny it's story. It's usually a huge mistake. But it's like usually like that. You got to wait till you're good at stand up before you can start telling stories on stage. It feels like. Or well, you you, you have to realize that. The, and I teach that so you've heard me teach. Yeah, this you're like don't do your don't do your fucking stupid ass rabbits uh, story. Well, you know the thing about is you can do the <laughs> like rabbit story, but realize you got to get a laugh every thirty seconds in yes, that rabbit yeah, story. Exactly. You know, or if you take a full minute for description, 
that next, as soon as you get through with that minute of description, yeah, the last, like, you better bam, hit five bam, bam, laughs in a row, yeah, better be rapid know. fucking fire. Yep. Yeah. It better be a payoff, yeah, you right, know? Right, right, right. Because the audience up here is expecting, you know, that's the thing is, is that, is that I get so many people that come to the class and they do their thing and I go, what you just did is a humorous and clever monologue. Right, yeah. And yeah, it's, it's not nice. one-man show it's thing. It's nice, yeah. but it ain't stand-up no. comedy, no. okay? And I know that because I come from an acting background. Yeah. I know what you just did. I get it. It's what I would have done before I got into stand-up, and yeah, right. I would have thought that would have been really clever and funny because it's you talk for you talk for three minutes and you had three laughs. Right, right. Maybe. <laughs> right. Yeah. Probably two. Yeah. And in acting, in an acting monologue, that's, that's okay. Yeah, that's yeah, great. That's, yeah. that's yeah, all you're right. killing it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But uh, these people come in here with an expectation, as we all know. Yeah. And you know what I like to do when I explain that to them is I stop, and I, I they don't know what I'm doing, and I take my uh, I take my phone and I hit the I put it on the stopwatch. And I hit it, and, oh, I, and I shut up, and I let it run for a minute. Yeah. And then I go, that was a minute. <laughs> yeah. And, it, and, and you realize how long oh, man, I know. a minute yeah. of silence is, yeah. especially when people are watching you waiting on something to happen. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Real so I go, if you're just yapping, and the expectation is laughter, and... 30 seconds goes by and you hadn't gotten close. Yeah. The crowd's getting a little antsy. Yeah. You yeah. know, and I don't know about you. I'm getting, I know antsy. you start panicking. <laughs> yeah. Talking fast. Start sweating for no reason whatsoever. But that's the thing, you know, uh, I, I, I tell them that, that in every form of spoken word, uh, performance, the story is the most important, and humor supports the story, right? right. right. In stand-up comedy, it's the exact opposite. That's so true. The yeah. story is nothing but a coat rack yeah. to right. hang jokes on. Yeah, yeah You right. know, because we don't give a fuck about the story, <laughs> yeah. really. We're not yeah. that interested not in Not really, no. you Because know? I've said this many times, that I'll get a, a first-timer in my class, and they get up and tell their story, and then we critique it. And in the critique, we start going, you know, somebody will go, you know what? I think if you were at a dry cleaner instead of the convenience store and you did this instead of that, man, that would just seems like it'd be a lot funnier. And the person on stage will always go, but that's not how it happened. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. They're so yeah, wrapped yeah. up in that. And you're yeah. going, nobody gives a fuck yeah, how no. it happened. <laughs> Try to be truthful. Yeah, yeah don't I be know. truthful. We, there's no truth here. No. It's yeah. all lies. Don't you love when you do a bit on stage? That's a little over the top, and they, you know, get kind of, you know, like you really did yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. like I do a little line Shot about, yeah, I do a <laughs> line about being in North, about renting a, uh, uh, going to Huntsville, Alabama on a vacation, because I got a good deal on Air TNT, Air Trailer and Turf. And I go, you hadn't heard that? That's great. You know, and then I explain the 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 great five star trailer we were in. I said you could hunt from your lazy boy. And I go, I got a five-point buck from a full recline position. And then I go, nah, it's just a dog. Oh, and, and then yeah. I go, and I go, why That's would exactly you? exactly how they react. And then I go, why would you put a hat on a German Shepherd? What kind of idiot would do that? <laughs> right? And we actually put a slide up of a dog with a hat on with a rack, like an antler rack. Yeah. And 
it either gets a laugh or it gets that, oh, and, yeah. and I go, okay, I'm going to stop for just a second and clarify something. I did not go to North Alabama and shoot a dog from <laughs> yeah. a lazy boy yeah. on a deck on a double yeah. wide trailer. <laughs> okay. Idiots. That yeah. didn't happen. Okay. It's funny. But there's just the whole idea of it, you know. So I have like one story, but it's, it's really the way I lay it out. It's almost like a, like a bit because it sounds so ridiculous. I go, I got my, one of my first paid gigs was at a strip club at 12 o'clock in the afternoon on Father's Day. And it sounds like a setup for like a really terrible bullshit, like like oh, like a good like uh, like almost like a one liner or something. Right. Yeah. But it's like no, all that's all true. The only thing that's different is that it was, it was at twelve o'clock at night, and it sounds funnier at twelve o'clock in the afternoon. Mm, that's yeah. the only thing I switched around. But you know the thing about what you just said, and we I'll bring that out in class. Yeah. Like you said three things, right? I went uh, to a strip, strip club, club at noon on yeah. Father's Day. Yeah. All right, I go. That was three setups without a punch. Right. Yeah, strip yeah. club, go for a laugh. Noon in a strip club, go for a laugh. Right. Father's Day at noon in a strip yeah. club, go for a laugh. So Instead, I'm just using Father's Day as the laugh. Exactly. Yeah. Right, so right, it's right. like, you know, think about everywhere you right. can, even if it's just a little half laugh. Yeah. You yeah, know what yeah. I mean? It doesn't it's have added, to be a yeah. full killer fucking thing. Yeah. But, I mean, I'm guilty of it, too, of yeah. making statements where I go, if I really sat down pen and pencil and crafted everything the way I should and really got it tight, yeah. tight you know there's a lot of laughs that we all miss yeah you know oppor- opportunities for opportunities laughs for laughs. That, yeah. that that we all miss yeah but and that's kind of the cool thing of if you don't do a joke for even you know a year you're just like I'll you know retire that one assuming you didn't record it anywhere and then you do it again you suddenly find all these like new laughs and oh, God, fresh. Yeah. yeah it's really absolutely yeah, yeah. absolutely I mean how many times you've done a bit and you fuck it up a little bit. Yeah. And oh, yeah, it gets laugh. a better laugh. And it gets better. Yeah. And you go, oh, what? I've been doing it wrong the whole yeah. time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? Like writing on stage or something. Yeah. Yeah. Carry on if you like or whatever. Well, what, what time is the interview? Is it coming up shortly? Uh, let me check. Right. Yeah, I just always struggled, like, trying to tell a story. And, like, I just tried to. At least five yeah. minutes. Okay. Okay. And I'm just going to leave him on stage. I'm just going to go right up, sit down beside him, and start the little interview thing. That's great, yeah. So, yeah, we'll knock that out in 15, 20 minutes, and then it'll yeah. be obvious. So we'll just wrap this up then, I guess. Sure. Or, yeah, yeah. yeah. or wrap it up. Yeah. Yeah, tell him, uh, but like, uh, what was I saying? Tell About him the story? To, yeah, trying to tell like a story, it's like, uh, like I, I would try to go to like mixed mics where like people are doing like music, yeah, and, I would like, do that too, yeah. poetry, and I would try to do it there because they give you longer sets, they give you like fifteen minutes. The problem is you're trying to tell like a story about tripping ass with Mormons, like right <laughs> after somebody like screamed into the microphone with like their weird like oh, emo God. poetry shit, like yeah. So it's like I learned that you have to like fluff up your story. You have to like you have to almost like, do like a little bit of stand up, raw stand up, just to get them to like you to pay attention to your stupid ass story but you can't just go like right into your story to do a story yeah and I think it, it and that's true sometimes uh, like for a club set yeah. especially if I'm middling yeah. uh, or featuring or I'll come in and just uh, like try to be like bam bam you know I'll get them to know me and then go into the story right. but there's other times like it's fun just to sit down and be like you're writing the story but that comes with time and confidence and at those mics there's no chance no you, do, you have to make yourself something that's different quick like, yeah. Do, yeah yeah right. yeah the story thing is I don't know it is it, yeah, every when I started, I would just write a different type of bit every time. So I'm like, it's gonna be set up punch, set up punch, like you know, do, and I would write like a five minute set of that, and then I'd be like, oh, I'm gonna do 
five minute thing of this and then the f- when I started telling stories uh, I was like oh I'm not ready to do this yeah. like, you know like but it's I like when they're true and I li- like the jail thing that's me trying to go to jail that story's way longer like I've tried to yeah. go to jail so many different ways and it was a, a, a week of my life where yeah. I did that and now it's down to like three things I did and I'm, I'm like man I might have to cut it down to just two because it's still uh, too long like yeah. but I like when people go like did that happen you're like oh shit yeah and here's oh, the yeah. real story and then you right. tell them the, the for and even like the I don't know if you saw that earlier like the gay bar thing that's yeah, a real thing that that's a good my story Brandon like yeah it's like funny but then that is like two sto- different nights like combined into one and uh, you know right which you can do that though like yeah, you can yeah it's weird you can do anything you want you can yeah, do you anything can you want full bullshit you can lie you can yeah. do whatever the fuck you want it doesn't matter but I like when there's some when it's like no this is some a, truth a true it. thing yeah I always try to make it like something that happened in my life yeah so, uh, ideally something that's funny and then uh and then have like some kind of a message or moral i learned or something and then even if you watch lennox like uh you know the, he could sit there and uh and go two three minutes without a laugh but it doesn't feel like that at all just because he commands us st- and it like, commands his command yeah. is insane and you're so invested in what yeah. you're talking about it's like He's, morpheus up there sitting there <laughs> like so yeah. philosophical and everything and yeah like a preacher almost very good yeah and then when he gets a laugh though like uh, Les was saying he'll do the thing where he'll go, you know, two, three minutes, uh, just get everyone so invested emotionally, yeah. and then he'll just be like, bang, bang, yeah, bang, bang, like just to hit him to where, the, yeah, the hits it so quick and powerful. Though. It is funny. Yeah, yeah, it's like uh, I learned that mistake too. Like where I tried to make up a story one time. Like it was, I was serving. <laughs> what was it about? <laughs> it was such a terrible idea, but I was, I've been writing like into this like autistic joke, and that's where I probably should have started. Was like, I can't make a joke about autism, autistic people, so I try to turn it on me. Right. And make it seem like, but I had just started serving here, so I wrote this just uh, bullshit story that never even came close to happening, and it was about me <laughs> waiting on a table and their their son was autistic. Yeah. And it was like I didn't even get to the point where I was trying to get to, which was like, like why am I judging him? He he calculated the tip before the check even hit the table. You know what I mean? Like I spilt my my uh, I spilt my glass on him. He just counted the ice cubes. Right. You know what I mean? And I, was, I was doing all those like really kind of like crude like jabs at him, but they were like. They could tell that I was lying. Like right. they could just tell. Like, there's no way this happened at all. And they, and then on top of it, I didn't like fluff the story up very well. I already kind of didn't like me, and the mic the mic kind of sucked that night. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm gonna sit there like like just dying. And I'm like, this wasn't even worth it. If this was a true story, at least it would have been worth it to try and like to try and f- make it funny. But this wasn't even a real story. Right, yes, Why am I putting myself through this? <laughs> this hurts. Like they all hate me right now, and like they're like they basically just like, did you just come up here just to make fun of autistic fun people? Because this isn't funny yeah. at all. And like it was, but yeah, like, that's what I, that's why I agree with you on that. Like some of the, like some of it should be like real. Like yeah. some of it. I think some, and I think you're just more excited to tell it. And then, you know, there's uh, um, like the gay bar story I did for San Fran competition where you're doing a set every night against right. 16 people and it's like you have five or no, oh, three yeah. six minutes and you're like I gotta cut it, it was great because it made me like tighten it up but and uh, you know Daryl was like just tell the same even though you don't want to tell the same joke every night get that bit like the yeah. best you can don't because uh, it is intense and then but then I was so sick of the story like I just hated telling it and then now you know then it went like a couple years but now it's fun when I tell it because I can like relive that moment. Like I can right. put myself back into that moment and yeah. and relive it. And I think that's important too because, like you said, even if uh, you're not getting laughs, people are still like, "Oh, this really happened." Like, right. Guys do. And it should fit with your character because you are yeah, you, right? Exactly. Like, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, it's so crazy. But I think like comedy in itself, even over the from the eighties to now, has just gotten so personal too. Like it's really made that shift like more and more. Yeah, so. it's almost it doesn't feel right unless you kind of know your comic. You yeah, know I mean, if, yeah. if you're just up there, like, like nobody really knew who Mitch Hedberg was. You know? Right. Yeah. And then I think even towards like the the end of his career or his life or whatever, he he started to like talk tell a little bit more like get a little more personal with his jokes yeah like like it started he started to place himself in it like i was here yeah like i i was at like one of my favorite things is talks about being uh he's like uh I, I was in a casino and they told me to move out out of the way of the fire exit uh, here's some news like if you're flammable you are never in the way of a fire exit <laughs> like and I, I could tell like that happened to him you know yeah, what i mean like yeah. that wasn't he didn't just like sit in his car and write that like that Yes. Something happened to him, and he was like, well, why would I? If, if there's a fire, I will be running with you. Like, there's no reason to do that. And, like, so, you know what I mean? So, I, like, some of it has to be personal. But then you see people, I go, they'll go up there, and they'll, they're doing, like, internet jokes. Right, yeah. They're like, yeah. It's, it's not, it's not personal yeah. at all. Or the people who just go up and they're like, like uh, I was abused, and it's just like, so you're like, man, what? okay, people need to laugh. Like, people just use it for pure therapy and open mics, which is always funny but when they're doing yeah. it every week and you're just like man you're not doing like you're thing. not actually doing it yeah you're ne- why are you doing this like just, dude yeah. we had this one guy come up at our, at our open mic and uh like he goes he comes up and he looks like he's like had just got out of like rehab like he was just <laughs> depressed he had dark circles under his eyes and stuff and like the way he approached the stage is very slow and methodical and like grabs the microphone brings it up and he's like so I want to talk to you guys about something important. And I was like, in my mind, I'm going, if I don't hear a joke after this, right. this is going to be a fucking nightmare. And he goes, I want to talk to you about depression. And then he oh, sat, no. sat there and then literally like sat down on the stage to where like, it's stupid. Like the, the reason why you have a stage is so you're elevated. So you're above people's heads so they can see your waist and above basically. Yeah. And he's below that. So everybody's like, kind of like, what the fuck's <laughs> happening? And he's, he starts squatting down and he's taking like a knee. You know what I mean? Like he's praying <laughs> and he starts talking and I'm like, and I'm looking at it. I'm like, this this is either going to be like the worst thing ever or the most genius. Yeah, he's going to longest like <laughs> longest just like a 3 minute fucking setup to like one of the best punches ever. And it never happened, of course. He fucking comes up there and then we're trying to get him off stage and he's holding the microphone up like trying to th- like get ready to throw it at us oh almost. And he's like, "I'm not done." Cuz I'm not done talking yet. I I need to explain this to the world." And I'm like, I look right at him I'm like, "Dude, there's five people in here. This is a moment. Yeah, this is not the world. I know. Like, Jesus. Yeah, even like when I like with a one man show or so, I'll go watch like a, a Fringe Fest or something. And then when it's some people will do that like at the show, and as a stand up, I'm like, well, this feels weird. It's like, so awkward. Yeah, but that's uh, and then just like the rampant mental illness. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it is nuts just to do this in the first place. But when people are that nuts, you're like, oh my god, like. That's how I can always tell if there's a crazy person when they're like, they're like not overthinking it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like you're like, is it your first time? Like, yeah. And, and like, you're like, oh, okay. Well, don't worry. Don't panic. Like, like they look at you like, I'm not panicking. Like, yeah, no. <laughs> I got this. You're like, oh, you're crazy. Okay. <laughs> you're supposed to be nervous, but it's okay to be nervous. Like, yeah. you're like, nope, I'm good. And you're like, okay. All right. This is gonna see be how great. this goes. Yeah. Like, it is fun to, to watch like that once, but then. When you go to a mic and you're like, this guy again? Yeah, yeah. yeah How does he keep getting on? <laughs> yeah, I know. Get this guy out of here. Yeah. See, I know this guy. Uh, his name's Jeff. I love him to death because he's like, he's like, I could tell that he had definitely tried it back in the day. Like, he's like, he's like in his 30s, he's like 32. But I could tell, like, he was lived, used to live out in LA. Like, he grew up in LA, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, like, he had done, like, TV shows, like, small, small parts and stuff like that. 
but he just has like a little bit. He's just missing a little, a little something. Yeah. So what I like to do, he has no material, but he he's all energy and all just randomness, and he has one of these one of these skills that I think that a lot of people don't possess, which is when he's on stage, there's not a single person in that room that's not paying attention. Right. Well, yeah, like he just yeah. gets them. Like yeah. the guy who's mopping the floor in the back stops and is like, "What the hell is this? What's happening right <laughs> yeah. now?" So what I do is like he'll just he comes to every open mic like that comes here he just does he's like committed to it but like he, but he's not always on the list so if I'm if I'm looking at a show and they're like these this audience is not reacting the way we want them to react or like they're almost just being like they're just being dicks like right, they're not yeah. they're not like they're I not getting involved in that mode, I go yeah. I punish them with Jeff oh, really? I swear to God I go I go you know what y'all aren't into this like y'all brought this upon yourselves please put your hands together for Jeff Grobman he comes up. And he lights them on fire really? with just awkwardness <laughs> and all energy, like no material, really. Do they laugh? They or they they, just... they are laughing or they're appalled or they're like listening intently, right? Like, and that's all I want. Those are the best reactions. Yeah, because <laughs> when when like the fourth monotone comic that goes up there and is just like, so yeah, that's like, what's the deal with cell phones? Yeah. You know, like like you kind of get tired. I'm telling you, I'm like Jeff, let's go. <laughs> and I throw him up there, and he goes with a boom boom chicken wing, motherfuckers, and he's going insane. <laughs> And the room doesn't know what to do with it, and like, and I, I've actually positioned him, like you know, just, I'm a host now here, so I, if I see like a, like a new up and comer, I'm like trying to see like what they possess. Yeah. And I'll throw him in front of him, so you can't oh. to see if you can follow it. Yeah. If you can follow Jeff, like that means you like you just you kind of know how to how to like moderate your energy better. Right. Yeah. Because you can't you can't go up after somebody like Jeff and just be like so anyway. <laughs> Unless you know how to transfer into that energy, yeah, you can't just pretend that that didn't happen. Like not the Tasmanian devil yeah. just went up on stage. You can't just not acknowledge that. Yeah. yeah. So I yeah. love doing that. And I it. do like in, in mics where there are those crazy people who are just like, they're like beloved. You're like, yeah. oh, I like having this guy or girl around who just right. does something weird and it'll never. Because that's one thing when you're doing stand up that, uh, for the, like you're saying, the monotone, like, oh, I did. Yes. I'm like, what do you want to do with this? How are you going to. This would never turn into no. like uh, uh, something profitable, not or just not that it's profitable. Like you'll never get booked somewhere for yeah. this. Like, never come to fruition. Like, yeah, and yeah. it's just such a weird thing where it's like you know every, especially when people do the exact same thing every week. I'm like, you, your whole week you never thought of one new. All you that's do is weird. One tiny thing. Like yeah, just that's the definition of insanity to me. When yeah. you're coming into the same thing and yeah. it's not working the same the I same know. way, you <laughs> deliver it the same way. way. Or it's just working okay and you're like, well, you got something, but man, just be, you know, put, yeah. to try something. Try something different. Yeah. That's, that's what you should, that's the, that's like signals to work. Like if, if it's like kind of working, that means there's potential so you need to work more on it. Yeah. If it's not working at all for the third time, like you need to drop that shit. Like just yeah, let it go. On, yeah. Just let, let it, it go. go Stop yeah. trying to make it funny. It's yeah. not fucking funny. <laughs> like it's stupid. Yeah. I love the the comics too, like open mics where they go up and then everyone's like, oh, and you just see everyone go for a cigarette. Or yeah, you know? <laughs> like I'd feel horrible if that was. Yeah. I went up and I saw people get up. I'd be like, like oh man, like, this fucking guy again. <laughs> I know Even if it's funny, that like my, one of my buddies, uh, Cam Bertram, lovely guy. He but he has like a great statement. And he goes, complacency kills more comedians than diabetes, and it's <laughs> it, it's the truth. Like you could have like you could have a guy that. That has this amazing bit. That's like that's hilarious, but then he he does it for ten years. Yeah, and it never changes. And yeah, it, it like he does it in the he just complacency. He's he safe. He feels safe with that. I'm on home. I'm on home base. I'm good to go. Like, right. Yeah. That like eventually they those guys get the cigarette walkers. Like they do. They just walk out. Like listen, funny story. I've heard it ten thousand times. I know. I have yeah. to get the fuck out of here. The club is like, look, man, we can't have you back. Yeah. <laughs> You're 
closer is the same as your promo video. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Your crowd is mouthing the words with you. <laughs> like, you need to get some. Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny. And then, like, like a really great bit, I like, where Jim Gaffigan says, like, he's like, I have to do the Hot Pockets thing because kids will come to my show and yeah. be like. But, I mean, he does, it, he does it as an encore. Like, he comes back out and it's like yeah. a whole thing. And you can leave if you don't want to. Yeah. yeah, I appreciate that level of a bit where it's so friggin' good, like, you gotta do it, but most are, it's just, It's like, not, yeah, like, 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 uh, like, tater, tater salad. Like, yeah. Like, Ron White's yeah. tater salad. <laughs> that's so funny. Like, you just have yeah. to do it. I love, and if uh, somebody, like, heckles me with a bit that I'm, because I've had it after, too, where, like, somebody will be like, I brought all my friends out to see you do this joke, and you didn't do it, and I'm like, oh, man. Yeah. I wish you could, yeah, so it's, that's that weird. sucks, too, yeah, but it's, if somebody heckles a bit at me, I'll be like, okay, I'll do it, like, yeah, yeah. yeah but. I love uh, I love Doug Stanhope's take on that because like he's had like you usually you see it on a special where people are like do the banana story <laughs> and he's like I did that like fucking eight years ago I don't remember the story next question <laughs> like he doesn't even try to fucking yeah, placate he's just shit. like I don't remember I don't care like I'm not talking about this shit <laughs> like like what's his name uh who's that guy uh, uh the cigarette his name escapes me right now fuck uh, dice. Oh, dice. dice. Yeah. Like, I mean, like, his fans literally are like, hickory dickory dot. Yeah. Like, they they know it's coming. Like, they still listen to it. Like, they just yeah. love it. Like, that's a weird place to be in, I think. I know. Kind of cool, though, but yeah. Kind of, like, unless you hated the joke. You're just like, like rock like, star shit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, because that's, that's the difference, right? Musicians can just, like, they have this st- the song that they played in the 80s and people still listen to that fucking song. Yeah. Like, you can't. And people will snap if they don't play it. Like, yeah. And they'll be pissed. Yeah. yeah. Or you're going to play your new album? Yeah. The fuck? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but like the comedy is like opposite of that. Like, yeah. Like Louis, you can't watch Louis C.K. Hilarious ten times. Right. I just, oh, I like to listen in the background. Put it on again, yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it's great, but no, you can't do that. Yeah. Fucking funny. Damn, I think he's up there. We'll probably wrap this up. Yeah. Cool. Dude, Daryl, watch it. Awesome podcast, man. Yeah, man. Y'all are yeah, fucking awesome. That was very so, cool. So, uh, where can they find you? Uh, you could just Chris Gribben comedian. Uh, do that. I don't know. Like, you you like your website? <laughs> yeah, dot com. Yeah, you're like just at, at Christopher. It's a weird. I don't know why I picked that. G R I S T. Yeah, it's like my la- the first three letters of my last name, and then the you're rest of my first name. I don't know. People would. It was a dumb thing. Because <laughs> yeah, now it's a little bit harder to find you. Yeah, <laughs> misspell your shit. Instagram. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't know. Well, thanks, man. Yeah, thanks for thanks, thanks for tuning. Good set tonight too. That was awesome. Thank you again for listening to another episode of the conversation podcast here at mccurdy's comedy theater please go to our website mccurdyscomedy.com for all of our upcoming shows events special events all that good stuff and uh daryl lennox follow him please follow him on twitter at daryl lennox it's d-a-r-r-y-l-l-e-n-o-x got a lot of great knowledge and he's a hilarious comic also follow chris griffin at christopher that's right you heard it christopher on twitter that's g-r-i-s-t-o-p-h-e-r and gino williams you know where to find him Uh, thank you so much and we'll see you next time thank you